ladies and gentlemen, welcome to this week's edition of Roundabout Sports, presented by Interstate 70 Sports Media, where our passion is our profession. This week's edition. Whoa, wait, we got some feedback over there. We did. Yeah. Well, I am the maestro Jeremy Carp, alongside the man that should have been the umpire for the Yankees Cardinal series, Hollywood James Knox. <laughs> oh man, see, you got me again. That was a, that was another uh, good one. I I gotta keep thinking of them though. That, that's Ed, where the challenge comes in. Poor Ed Hickox, and then he gets drilled. And man, poor guy. It sure those, feel those, bad for those him. Days, those days are the worst. He never got it, into it. Is man, I've had days like that. Let me tell you what. I'm oof, not envious at all. I definitely don't blame you on that one. Um, how are you doing this evening, James? I'm doing well. How are you? I'm doing all right. There is definitely plenty to talk about. And for those that are just tuning in, we'll go over some of it. First, sports analyst Nick Wright, oh, very goodness. polarizing figure in the world, especially of basketball, came out with a list of the top 50 NBA players of the past 50 years. And from the second that it got released, you know, anytime there's a list or rankings, people are just all over it. So I can't say that it's all his fault because this is why I don't really like doing rankings because of this exact reason. Or if I do, I do them by decades, you know, instead of all time. It's, it's just well, it, with Nick Wright. And uh, I think he is to quote uh, somebody we just recently lost. I think he's hopelessly devoted to con to controversy and conspiracy. So, um, you know, I, I, he's done this with NFL players as well. And we were looking at the list uh, during show prep, and and I'm not really sure that we could we could argue about this. That, that really that list could encompass our entire show tonight. I mean, yes. that's just. I think there was one player I asked you. I was like, "Who the hell is this guy?" It's like, "Yep, you, know, you did." Awesome. And I'm look. I'm looking at the list right now. Actually, as I'm about to pull it up. So let's start things off first, and we'll also delve into Harrison Bader's fond farewell from of St. Louis. And I'm not going to lie. And James and I were talking about this. It got us right in the feels. It got Boy. millions in the feels because anybody who's a Cardinal fan can't, can't be nothing but teary eyed. Just watching that how, man, man how did he looked so weird with not having the curls yeah oh yeah F for I mean, the female wow. audience his hair the is going. not the same so it's that. like what was it if you if you cut samson's hair he lost all his power exactly I mean, well also i mean to be fair I mean, he was looking new york tight, lost the flow like before the all new york lost the flow since the all-star break um <laughs> and shots fired Shots fired. They remember, but remember, they won 70 games. Yeah, like a week and a half ago. Um, also, one. We, do we have any room to talk after getting blasted by Colorado last night, though? I think we do because at the same time, do you honestly expect the Cardinals to win every single game the rest of the season? No. And to touch on that real quick, uh, Roflo, Robert Flores, uh, also a big time video game player, was on, uh, on uh, St. Louis Sports Talk Radio today and you know, he's like, look, chalk that one up to Coors Field. He goes, that could happen to the best team anytime in Coors Field. And I felt bad for my – we talked about this last night as well. Uh, I felt terrible for Miles Michaelis. My God. You, you don't get out of the third inning. You give up 12 hit or 14 hits, 10 runs, a yeah. ball that E.J. Crowen hit that I'm – hell, still maybe in orbit somewhere. I mean, <laughs> oh, to be, oh, to be a hitter in Coors Field. 
Yeah. I mean, I mean, but the thing of it is, at some point, you can't – that's such – and I was talking about this with a friend of mine as well a while back. You can't just go on that tangent, that argument of, oh, it's Coors Field forever. Because at the end, of the, the end of the day, I mean, take a look at the polo grounds back in the day. I mean, you hit it to center field, Yadier Molina could get an inside-the-park home run. That's one of my you favorite balls. One of my favorite ballparks to use on MLB the show is for that you know exact what? reason. You're going to say that because it's one of my favorites too. Um, but the polo grounds are so deep when it came to center field. But in right field, it was only about 219 feet. Yeah. You know, so little blue pits that are in today's MLB would be home runs back then. It, you know, um, exactly. So the whole course, and you got to make contact, and there's so much with the velocity and so many deep things within it. It, it. You can't just be like, oh, yeah, the air. And also, there's this thing called uh, humidors. Like a humidor, yeah. Humidors that kind of help out the whole situation. Right. Um, I mean, I think I think that, that that ballpark had more of the aura back when you had the, uh, the Broad Street Bombers with Andres Galarraga, Dante Bichette, Larry Walker, those guys, because at that point in time – Not helping they, even. Right, yeah. and they did. They didn't use and Vinny Castilla. Even yeah. uh, I don't know why I forgot about him. Um, Matt Holiday as well. Uh, yeah. You know, you that at that point in time they didn't enforce or use the humidor there. And I mean, I mean, what Galarraga had a fifty home run season there. I mean, Todd Helton did as well. I mean, that's just that's one of those ballparks now. And now all now every ballpark uses the humidor. So I, I would say it's still. It, there's still an advantage there just because the air is thinner, but yeah. you know, I mean, not as much as people want it to be. Right. And you know, I think when it comes down to it, I mean, Colorado could have a really good offensive ball club, but are they really going to win anything? Because we've seen miles Michaelis, who's a, a predominant ground ball pitcher goes in there and gets lit up. So definitely the worst you know, start of the year for Michaelis, but you right. know, it so happens. So the Rockies can have all the hitting in the world, but I, I think we've proven uh, C I E Juan Soto running his mouth that good pitching beats good hitting all the time. Yeah. Well, before we get back into the baseball talk, let's go back to our original topic of Nick Wright's top 50 NBA players of the last 50 years. And I'm going to pull it up in the middle of James and I. Yeah, throw and that yeah a lot of greats on there. I mean, but let's really take a look at the top five for a second. Um, top five is who really stands out to me. At number five, you have Tim Duncan, um, and definitely one of the greats. There's there's a big uh, top three for you right there um, with Manu Ginobili, Tim Duncan, and Tony Parker. Right. There's one of the greats. We've talked about dynamic trios. Um, you got Michael Jordan at number three, which right there is already going to shoot up controversy. Wait. Wait just a second. You made a you just made a good point about a big three in Duncan, Ginobili, and Parker. Did he not put Parker on this list? Parker's not on the list. Are you kidding me? Nope. So Nick, Nick Wright has something against French people. That's what this is. Oh, yeah. I see how this goes. Um, <laughs> so Jordan's number three. My number one pick. Kareem Abdul-Jabbar is number two. And um, Nick Wright's boyfriend, LeBron James, and if anybody who watches Nick Wright, you'll know exactly why I said that, is LeBron James at number one. 
Yeah, and, another another like quote. I'm, I'm pretty sure that LeBron James is the, uh, the one that Nick Wright wants, uh, as I'm full of just Olivia Newton-John quotes tonight. Uh, you, you're right. And, and see, we had this, again, going back to right before the show when we're going through this list, I had Jordan above LeBron. Of course, I'm. everybody say, oh, well, you're old school. And blah. sure, sure I am. Well, that's because Jordan played defense too. Um, you know, and then we had the idea that I asked you if I thought maybe Tim Duncan was better than Magic Johnson. I mean, you could argue this list. I, I am, as I go through this list and look at guys like George Gervin and Clyde Drexler and Bob McAdoo in the, the mid thirties, I've got a big problem with this list. I really do. And and I guess the other part of it too is with LeBron, I have a problem with LeBron because, you know, he's chased championships. You didn't see guys like Jordan chase championships. Matter of fact, when he went to Washington and went, went to the Wizards, come on. I mean, obviously he took a – in talent around him, it wasn't there. Uh, let's see, where else? Carl Malone, uh, John Stockton, they didn't chase championships. The best chance they had was back in 96, and that's when Jordan had the magical flu game and took care of them real quick. Let's yeah, see. Yeah, blows my mind to this day. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm sitting here looking, and I mean, Scottie Pippen's at 33. I guess you could be say he was the best Robin to Jordan's Batman, but I, I mean, and, and and maybe not. But when it comes to shooters, I'm not so sure that Tony Kukoc isn't better than Carmelo Anthony. Yeah, and wait a minute, let me let me double check something. I'm going to take the uh, the banner off one quick second because I need to see something. Yeah, that's exactly what I thought. You know, there are two people. And where the hell, Sean, where the hell, Sean Kemp at? There are two. See, now we're we're going from okay, he's missed a few to how did he miss some of these guys? Right. There are there are two off the top of my head that I cannot believe are not on there. Number one is Paul Pierce. Paul oh, Pierce. Yeah. One of the great all-around uh, talent, um, especially defensively, offensively. He's an NBA champion. He's a 10-time All-Star. I mean, he there are was some a... Guys, there are some guys that shouldn't even be on this list. Look at number 44, right. Sidney Moncrief. Nah, he doesn't need to be on this right. list. I mean, and he was also the finals MVP that year yep. back in 08. And let's not also forget he's a third team, a second team, a first team. And then, hang on, before – Steph Curry came around. Notice how the greatest three-point shooter in NBA history is not on this list in Ray Allen. Yeah. How is Ray Allen not? Literally, Curry, who is ranked 10th, passed Allen uh, just recently for all time on the three-point list. So if you're going to have one, you got to have the other. Like, you're not – and, and there's no way he's using championships as a baseline here. Oh, he because, can't. There is no the, freaking way. How the hell is the White Howard on here? If you're going to have the White Howard, who okay, he was a good situational player near the end of his prime. Um, shouldn't Robert Ori be, be on this list then for being the most clutch? Yeah, and I, I mean, will give him. I will give um, and. So for Caleb, thank you for tuning in. Whoa. Kobe is uh, number six. Number six. So yeah, and I, I was like, oh he is there somewhere? God. I know he's there. I think I that's just think Kobe's the way. better than LeBron. 
I was going to say, people still feel that way. So, yes, Kobe Bryant is on here. He is number six on the list. So that brings up another discussion. Was Tim Duncan better than Kobe? This, the amount of basketball discussions that can come up, and I'm thankful Car- Carmelo Anthony made the list, but 49? Like, uh, So, and, and this is the top 50 players of the last 50 years. I get right. that. So there's a cutoff, but you've got Bird on there. Okay, so Kevin McHale is on there. He's at 34. If that's the case and you're basing this on big men, where the hell's Robert Parrish at? Where's the chief? Yeah. See, that, that, was a, that was a big three before big three were popular. See, and it's interesting. There, there is that cutoff. You you don't have your Bob Pettits. You don't have your Bill Russells. You don't have your Oscar Robertsons, who's Oscar Robertson, my favorite basketball player of all time. You don't have your Jerry West. You don't have, yeah, you don't have your Jerry West, who is literally the silhouette. He is Mr. NBA. He's the logo. logo. He's the logo. How do you not have the logo of the NBA on there? Like, and yes, that is a new piece of history for anybody that does not know that. The, The player that's the silhouette on the NBA logo, that is Jerry West. So to not have him... The only reason is because of the cutoff time. But point being, also Nick Wright has not delved as deep into what this stands for as far as the list. What filters, what reasonings behind where they rank. God, I wish um, we could for him. <laughs> oh, no kidding. I, I mean, have so many questions. Shaq at number nine. Whoo, there's one. And you know what's interesting? Looking at this list – a lot, you know, we're talking about last 50 years. The thing of it is, I'm not 50 years old. You're not 50 years old. But a lot of the players on this list are not even so much the last 50 years as opposed to just the last 30 years. You know, guys that came around from right before I was born or right after I was born, and I grew up watching. Like I said, right. Shaq, Kobe, Duncan. Um, I am glad that Iverson's Jordan. on this list. Yes, AI had to be on this list. I'm There's... just curious because I'm looking down at number 47 and looking at Dennis Rodman. For the game that Rodman played and the role he played, he probably needs to be higher on this list. Um, you know, there's just so many players that I grew up with. And, and we're the beginning of your generation kind of caught the end of mine when it came to most of these players in the last yeah. – 20, 25 years in the NBA. It was a transition for sure. Right. And, and I think that's the best way to put it because the game started to change as we got into the mid-90s. Once you mm-hmm. got past the the bad boys and the Detroit Pistons of Bill Lane, Bill Lane Beer's another one that's not on this list. But you've got – so IT is still on this list? Isaiah Thomas is 15. Okay, good. I was going to say he better be on this list. Like, I mean, so and like I said – you know, you had the bad boys with Lane Beer, Thomas, uh, Rodman. I'm trying to think who else was on that team. They had another – this is going to sound terrible – another big, strong, like, bad boy white guy on that team I can't remember. He obviously didn't play the same role. But, you know, you look at it, and Rodman probably needs to be higher. Uh, and not to take anything away from guys like Bill Walton or Bob McAdoo. Again, it's hard to do this. And, and you made a really good point about not liking lists because generally if you do it, you do it by decade. This is why doing a list like this is tough because the game changed. About halfway into this, all the the hand-checking and everything that guys like Jordan and Magic got away with was gone. If, if you breathed on a superstar the wrong way, we've seen some of the fouls that are called when guys guard LeBron or or, or guys, you know, 
like a, a Giannis Antetokounmpo or those guys, you know, th they're getting whistled immediately. Those guys couldn't have played back in Jordan's era because throwing an elbow underneath would, you know, that wasn't getting called. You know, yeah. you, you, that that hook and hold stuff that they call now, that stuff was that's a love tap back in the early nineties. Well, here's one. Where do you think? Uh... Look who else isn't on the list. And he was still dominant into the era heading into kind of where this list begins. Will Chamberlain. Yeah. You know, Will Chamberlain still over the last 50 years was a big part of the game. And obviously we know the 60s was the decade that he dominated in. But at the same time, that's still part of the whole um, premise of this. And I'm going to you keep talking. I'm going to look something up real quick. I'm, I'm oh, now. I am extremely. I'm looking at Bernard King versus Will Chamberlain because Bernard oh, King is number number fifty on this list, and I just want to see where we're at here. So, I mean, you already know. Like we already talked beforehand about Bernard King and like how how Nick Wright got him on the. And this is not knocking him at all. We're just saying. I mean, fifty players in the last fifty years. That is a hell of a list to have to make. And when you talk about, you know, decades and as far as how the game changed, a big reason, that's why for NFL, that's a yep. big thing for me. Like whenever they talk about, I think the biggest argument you'll ever hear in football, is Tom Brady greater than Joe Montana? Or is Tom Brady the greatest of all time? No. N normally, I, the only reason I'll say yes is because it just blows my mind. Like he right. just absolutely blows my mind at how he's still playing at 44, 45. But at the same time, the type of hits or lack thereof that Tom Brady experiences, look at him in the beginning of his career. There was a hit by, I believe, Troy Vincent that literally knocked his helmet off and yep. he got right back up. I mean, and these well, days, if they touch his shoulder pad, they're probably going to be suspended for three damn games. Well, here you go. I mean, just in terms of, uh, you know, you look at, uh, look at Tyreek. Let's let's we're gonna. I'm gonna do a real quick comparison here, and then I've got the Wilt Chamberlain versus Bernard King stats up thanks to landofbasketball.com. Uh, I mean, look at guys like Isaac Bruce versus a let's see, Tyreek Hill. Isaac Bruce got his ribs broke on a really late hit in that NFC Championship game in '99 against the Buccaneers, oh, yeah. and you know, he got right back up, finished the game. Yeah, a, a hit like that now is yeah somebody's getting suspended so mm -hmm. real quick here you know and, and we bring up wilt and versus bernard king simply not because we're comparing the two players but if bernard king is going to be number 50 on this list then i'm gonna break this down so obviously wilt has two nba championships to bernard king zero both of them played 14 seasons okay playoffs played wilt chamberlain 13 bernard king five all-star games wilt chamberlain 13 bernard king four I'm not done. It gets better. Season MVP awards, Will Chamberlain 4, Bernard King Goose Egg. Finals MVP, Will Chamberlain 1, Bernard King Goose Egg. All-NBA first team, Will Chamberlain was an All-NBA first teamer seven times, Bernard King twice. All-NBA teams, Will 10, Bernard King 4. Have I made my point yet? Um, points per game. Will Chamberlain, 30.1, Bernard King, 22. Here's a big stat for you. Rebounds per game. Will Chamberlain, 22 a game. Bernard King, 5.8. Total points, and then I'll, I'll stop here because I think I've made my point. 
total points so. for Wilt Chamberlain, 31,419. Oh, nice. Bernard King, 19,655. And if we really wanted to get into it, we could talk about how many women Wilt Chamberlain slept with too it while we're at it. Jesus. And There's no reason, absolutely Wilt no reason Bernard King should be number 50 over Wilt Chamberlain. I None. will say this. I think Will Chamberlain slept with more women than he had points in his career. <laughs> well, more points than what Bernard King had. If he said 20,000, yes, he beat Bernard King's point total for his well, career. Shoot. Will Chamberlain said he always slept with at least 10,000 women. He was a lifelong bachelor. And I'm not going to be one to argue with Will to stilt on this one. <laughs> you, but yes. you do you, brother. You do you. You do you. More power <laughs> to you. I mean, why not? Take advantage of the stardom. But I – mean, you we really could be here all. We could be here all night and right. all week going over the list. And yes, there are so many great, so many Hall of Famers, and so many future Hall of Famers on this list. Um, one quick thing before we transition to the next topic regarding this list: Who's somebody that you're glad isn't on the list that you felt didn't deserve to be on it, and that's rightfully not on it? Hmm. Boy, that's a tough one. Charles right. Barkley's there. Man, that's tough. I you, know, you know what? I'm going to tell you. Here's somebody oh boy. that um, I'm glad is not on there. And I'm going to – I might get crucified for this one. Draymond Green. Draymond should not be on there yet. Do I think Draymond will be a Hall of Famer one day? Yes. But is he one of the top 50? Now, we're not talking position-wise. Remember that. Like you had mentioned earlier when we talked about Kareem, my my pick being number one, um, we're not talking about position-wise. We're talking about overall. And there's definitely been more than 50 players in the last 50 years. And do you put Draymond among them? I don't mm. think so. Do, well, now, if it was just defender, defensive uh, I get, basis, then I got yeah. to take, take a 20-second time out here. Uh-oh. I just saw something. I just saw and, – and it's funny. Every time we do – every time we do a show and there's a Cardinals game on, something interesting happens. So the Cardinals just – and I've never seen a challenge won in this manner. So Nolan Arenado hits a ball down the left field line. It was a fair ball. The umpire called it foul. So at the time, there were runners on first and second. So I guess they they ruled that it was an automatic double, put Arenado at second, Goldie at third, and the Cardinals are up one nothing in the top of the first. Hell, I'll take it. Yeah, me too. Works for me. So back to Draymond Green. And wow, so we're getting getting a little pushback here. Well, here we go. We got Draymond's a four-time NBA champ, four-time All-Star, uh, all NBA second team, third team, defensive player of the year, a defensive first team, defensive second team, steals leader. I mean, like I said, he's not the type of guy to get you a lot of points, but he doesn't need to. He's the defensive lockdown force of the Golden State Warriors. Without him, like the trio of him, Clay, and Curry are why the Warriors have so many damn finals over these years. But oh, you can't my- have one without – you can't have the other two without one of them. I just don't feel that Draymond Green is worthy yet to be on that list. I agree with you. Uh, by That's the way, Albert Albert just drove in a run. Cards lead to nothing. Um, so, 
interesting comment by Jags history here saying Draymond should be in the dirtiest player hall of fame. So I put Draymond in, in that, in that manner, he plays the same role that Dennis Rodman did because Rodman was dirty. Oh boy, was Rodman dirty. He, he had no problem getting a handful and I won't go any further than that. This is not the WWE and I'm not Ric Flair. So, but you know, at one point in time, again, to steal another quote, Dennis Rodman was the dirtiest player in the game. And there's a reason why he's won NBA championships. There's a reason why he's on this list because he played a role. If I'm Draymond Green, and, and this goes back to the Warriors-Grizzlies series this past season, and I'm a huge Grizzlies fan because I love John Morant, love John Morant. Um, so, but, you know, Draymond did a very good job in taking, when when job before Ja got hurt, helping take Ja off the, you know, off his game and, and other guys off the game. So, you know, yeah, see, Rodman did worse than that. Rodman did. Yeah, much he did. Yeah, he did Hollywood. Yeah, yeah. He went to, and he went to North Korea. Did that well, <laughs> he may be the only reason that they didn't try to bomb us. Right. Um, <laughs> but I mean, no, I mean, Dennis Rodman did a lot more than that. And Rodman was the kind of player that you needed at that time. Draymond fills that role. And when he when he has a great game, he'll score you 15, 20 points. He's the it's almost like the goon in hockey. We mo we obviously know the guys like Tony Twist, Kelly Chase, you know, those guys that are pretty much out of the game. But you have a guy like Tom Wilson or somebody like Orion Reeves that not only can they, you know, disrupt the game physically, but they can also put the puck in the net. Those are the kind of guys you need. They are role players. And every NBA player has one, whether or not they're as deep or as dirty or as physical as a Rodman or a Draymond Green or, you know, just any other big man that can affect the game like that. I mean, there were times that Dwight Howard was like that. Shaq was like that early in his career when he played Definitely. for the match, when it was when it was him and Penny. You know, those guys, they are needed. Now, the NBA, I think, I think Commissioner Silver would like to get rid of those guys. And we all know Draymond has had his fair share of technicals over the years, but he's the kind of player that, with you're right, without him, the Warriors do not win the championships they've won. Yeah. Cardinals and are trying to blow this game open, by the way. I, You know what? After losing 16-5, to five, I would imagine so. Well, they have got Kyle Friedland on the ropes. He's thrown 22 pitches here in the top of the first. Cardinals lead 3-0 with runners on second and third. And they need to win, too, after the Brewers beating the Rays again today. Yes. Well, we are going to transition into our next piece of the agenda today. And it still involves basketball, but it's less about uh And that list, list, by the way, 50. put a big bow on it. That list is bullshit. That's it. There you go. <laughs> you heard it here first, folks. Had it. All right. Well, so, you. Like mad dog. We're, we're going to talk about one of the top guys of the NBA today, one of the greatest scorers of all time. He was on that Kevin list. Durant. He was on that list, and deservedly so. But he <laughs> has definitely been in the news lately for the wrong reason. No, he didn't go on a scandalous thing. But is he like Lamar is, Odom? Did he get caught face down in the bunny ranch with a pile of coke around him? No, oh did I miss gosh. something here? No. So basically, um, Kevin Durant gave an ultimatum this week to the Brooklyn Nets owner, and it was basically a me or them ultimatum against him or head coach of the Brooklyn Nets, Steve Nash. <laughs> 
And this is the thing. That's not how it works, Kevin. That's just not how it works. They don't, you're not in charge, okay? They won't blow up the team or trade you, fire all the adults in the room because they didn't treat your tantrum like the biggest thing in history. This is what happens. If you left the Brooklyn Nets, the Brooklyn Nets would move on. For better or worse, they would move on. You know, the Ultimate Warrior tried holding up uh, TV and pay-per-views back in the 80s and 90s with WWF. And Vince McMahon fired his ass. And basically, they can just re- they can release you. They could trade you. But this diva attitude out of Durant is just the latest in the implosion of Brooklyn. And when we were talking before the show, we talked, you know, and we've been talking during the show about this, about dynamic trios, big threes. That's that's the way it goes in the world of the NBA, the big threes. You got your Dwayne Wade, uh, Chris Bosh, and uh, LeBron James. You got your Garnett, Pierce, and Allen, Duncan, uh, Manu, and Parker, um, and Pippen, Jordan, Rodman. You know, there's so many. We could be here for a hot minute talking about them. Yep. But the new oh, – I'll do one more. Here we go. Clay Thompson, Steph Curry, and Draymond Green. There's another big one. But the thing of it is, when Kyrie Irving, James Harden, and Kevin Durant all went to the Nets at the same time, that was supposed to set the sports world on fire. Everybody was hyped. They were like, holy crap, these guys are the team to beat. The Nets are all of a sudden the favorites in the East. Like, nobody can stop them. They did not do shit. And one by one, the pieces crumbled. Kyrie was unhappy. He started sitting out. His vaccination status came into question. Harden sat out. He became disillusioned with the team. And now he's with the Sixers. Durant's become disillusioned with the team, thinking it's it's Steve Nash's fault for some reason. And it's it's either a me or him ultimatum that he's presenting to the top brass in Brooklyn, and that's not going to end well for KD. I just want everybody who's tuning in to know that. Um, So basically how I like to look at it, Kevin Durant, a beast on the court, a diva off of it. That's how I'm looking at it right now. James, what you got for me on that? I'm just curious. Does he does he feel like he can give him the the ultimatum because he's the last, I guess, the last pillar standing? Because, I mean – I just I, we we talked about this whenever he was in Oklahoma City when it was Harden, Westbrook, and Durant, and you know even was beforehand when he There's before another, the yeah. team moved from Seattle, yeah, to uh, Oklahoma City. I, I'm not, I'm really not sure where I stand here. I, I get look, I get KD's point. I, I get his frustration. Maybe that's where I should put, it. but I think his frustration is misplaced. I don't think it is. It's obviously not on Steve Nash, but when you've got enough. Just, just commotion and just, just too much infighting because that's what it seemed like. You know, Harden wasn't happy. Well, Harden, Harden's big ass come in out of shape. He wouldn't play defense. Uh, his his shooting is well. That's true too. He he didn't. Yeah, he wasn't playing any defense in Houston. His shot efficiency wasn't there. I mean, he was throwing up 
25, 30 shots tonight to score 30 points. Well, that's not efficient. You've got, like you said, with uh, – oh, hell, no, I can't even think of his Kyrie. name. Yeah, with, with Kyrie Irving, you know, you had the vaccination stuff. That became a huge whirlwind. Hell, he couldn't play at home. He couldn't play in Canada. He Hell, he, he got to the point where he couldn't play at all. And, I mean, even when he got on the court, he didn't look good. Uh, and, and KD's just frustrated. Well, do you look at it being KD's fault, or do you look at it, well – we couldn't make things work around you. So my problem is this is like, is, is it the players that you put around KD that are a problem or is KD the problem? Because the only common variable that's been there in all of these big three situation has been Kevin Durant. That is an interesting point. I mean, in a way, can it be both though? I well, mean, so also when you, well, also when you, cause when you think about it, the problem with Kyrie, James Harden, and Kevin Durant, like I said, they are all future Hall of Famers. But the problem is they are not all team players. Well, there's not enough basketballs to go around. No, and that's the so, thing. So here's how I here's how I equate it. So Kevin Durant, Kevin Durant is the hot girl in the club. And everybody wants to be with her. You know, I want to date her. You want to date her. This guy, everybody wants to uh, a crack at her. Maybe that's not the best way to put that. So anyway, the point being is that, so he's, he, every time he gets into a relationship with one of them, they end up leaving him. Something goes wrong. Well, he is the common denominator in all the relationships. So is it the ex that's the problem? Or does he need to look in the mirror and realize you can't give ultimatums if you're the problem? You're not LeBron James, even though some will argue that you're the best player, all-around player in the NBA. I think Giannis is, but whatever. Again, another argument that could be had. Greek freak, but baby. You can't give ultimatums if you're not producing. If you go out and win the next three NBA championships, which we know is not going to happen, but if you were to win three championships in a row, or hell, even bring one to Brooklyn, and then he gives him that ultimatum, you have a little bit more leverage. Right now, you haven't done a damn thing except for you won an NBA championship when you chased it out to the West Coast with Curry, Clay, and Draymond. Yeah, and that's the big thing. Like but, and, we about, saw, go and we saw Golden State replace that production with Jordan Poole. So is Kevin – I mean, was Kevin Durant really the big key to winning? Kevin Durant was – how do I word this with Kevin Durant? The Golden State pain Warriors, in the ass. Well, besides that, the Golden State Warriors have won – championships with and without Kevin Durant, which they've proven time, time again, that as long as you got that one trio healthy and Iguodala and or Jordan Poole, I mean, you get these guys, they have an all around well-rounded team. That's why they won championships, but having Kevin Durant, it's the equivalent of, I mean, let's, let's say you are the Kansas city chiefs when they had Tyree kill and Travis Kelsey. And then out of nowhere, you know, they get Devontae Adams, and then they somehow get a guy like Mike Evans. You Ooh. know, they they are still dominant without those two acquisitions, but by having those two acquisitions, in this case Evans and um, Devontae Adams, it would take more guys off of Tyreek and Kelsey and go on someone else. So by having Durant, it spread it at the court. Right. It spread out the court more, had more game. The game plan had to shift completely because Durant is seven feet one. You know, he is an absolute tank of right. a human being. Like, 
It is unbelievable. It, it also causes the problem too that I'm looking at getting my next contract, and by God, I don't care if you get yours, but I want to get mine. So you're in a situation where I'm going to go out and do my thing and score 35 points a night, have 10 rebounds and, and eight assists or whatever, and I don't give a damn what you get. And look, Durant has been, for the most part, humble in the media, but when you when you hear that this news comes out, it just makes you wonder. Like, I can, I, can, I can say everything I want in, in the media and in the press because it's going to look good. But if you're going to come to me and then this gets leaked and it's like, well, Maybe we need to go back and look at some of the other situations. Maybe Kevin Durant's not as humble and as like team first and team centric that everybody thinks he is. I mean, perception is ever perception is reality, right? right? So if we're living in that kind of a world where that gets out on social media, maybe he's the problem. Maybe somebody needs to ask Steph Curry, hey, when KD was here in Golden State, was he a great player? Was he a great teammate? Or was it all about the meme on mentality? Yeah, that's a very true thing. Like, and I just know that, especially given the way the ownership of Brooklyn has already made it clear, at the end of the day, they are going to side with Steve Nash. Yeah, like, and they should. They should. Yes, they rightfully should. You're not going to blow up an entire franchise for just one player's opinion, even if that player is Kevin Durant. Right. Um, because it did not work well for LeBron James when he was with the Cavs. Right. Point being, um. So with that, game set, match. Yeah. <laughs> game, set, game set match on that one, my friend. Cardinals, by the way, we as they go into the bottom of the first, Jose Quintana on the mound. Cardinals have a 5 nothing lead going into the bottom of the first. Okay, well, look, see, look at that. I mean, well, the Cardinals are one of those teams, you know, they figure, hell, we lost 16-5 one night. Let's, let's bounce back and show them what practice is over. Yep. Although I will <laughs> say I am so glad I did not bet the line last night on the game. No, no doubt. The line on that game was unbelievable. I was so fortunate not to do that. I was like, "Yeah, I mm -mm, that no." I didn't even. I didn't even look tonight. I I usually look at the what the the run line is, the over under, and I I think it was somewhere in the vicinity of fourteen or fifteen runs. And I'm sitting there going, "Yeah, maybe." So so James, there's an interesting picture out there that I saw. I obviously we're both huge professional wrestling fans. Yep. Um, so there's a gentleman known as the Alton Giant. His name's Robert Wadlow. He, yep. poor soul, he only lived to be 22 years old. He was 8 feet 11 inches when he passed away, and he had no signs of slowing down when it came to his growth. The tallest human being ever recorded. That statue in Alton is amazing, too. I've actually been there and stood next to that thing, and it I'm just like, like, you've got to be kidding me. Yeah. I'm trying to remember what size shoe he wore. They 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 were so big that they had to be like, didn't they have to be made out of wood or something yes, like that? Yeah, they had to be yeah, uh, that's uh, first yeah. Uh, shoes. The shoe size was 37 AA. <laughs> wow, and I thought, I thought my size 13s were big. That's something else. Like, that is... What's the equivalent of skis? People make yeah. the joke, oh, you got skis. Oh, this guy, you know. Yeah, this guy did. Um, well, and everybody knows professional wrestling about Andre the Giant, the eighth wonder of the world. And Andre the Giant was billed at about seven feet four. Now, he was more around seven one, seven two. Here is, and this stumbled upon me today, here's a depiction of what it would look like if Robert Wadlow and Andre the Giant Went face to face, and folks, I'm telling you, this absolutely is mind blowing. Yeah, choke slam that. <laughs> yeah, like 
That is unbelievable. That is the equivalent of the world's tallest man ever recorded staring down on the Giants. And no, it's just, it just, I can't. I I cannot. Yeah, I, I want to see Big John Stud body slam him for a hundred grand. Where's Bobby Heenan at when you need him? Yeah. Well, can you imagine this though? Okay. We see Andre the Giant in this picture. Yeah. And yeah, Andre, like I said, is about seven one, seven two. I wish where's Ray Mysterio got... fit? And Mysterio's five foot six. I was gonna say, I wish they could have gotten the entire referee or the entire referee in that picture, because that would have been like small, medium, large. It had been like, you know, something out of a McDonald's menu or something. I knew you were going to go with the McDonald's. Yeah. yeah. It's just, uh That's craziness. I, look at that. I am still mind blown that somebody could actually be able to properly walk at that height. Obviously, just, he needed He looks like, like he's on stilts. Yeah, we talked about Wilt the stilt. Well, there is truly a stilt. I mean, it's... It's it's nothing but just pure greatness. Yes, and yes, you, yes. and you know what the thing of it is, both of these guys were gentle giants. Right. That's the thing. These were two of the nicest guys, based on people that have that had uh, grown up with them, that hung out with them, talked to them. Like these I were mean, two look, of the nicest, most caring guys. Look where Wadlow's waist hits Andre the Giant. Mm-hmm. And Wadlow, here's another thing: Robert Wadlow, four hundred and fifty pounds. That's 450 pounds right there. Talk about and, carrying your weight well. Yeah, exactly. Um, and I, Andre the Giant was about 520 pounds. And even then, honestly, for 520 pounds, he carries it well. I would agree. Like, they both it, – it's just and, – and what's so a shame is the fact that they passed away young. Yeah, unfortunately. You know, Andre, yeah. Was, Andre was 46 and um, – Wadlow was 22, and I believe what had happened is there was an infection <laughs> on his foot, and it just – Oh, yeah. let's see. Let's see Hulk Hogan body slam that guy. Yeah, I don't think that's happening. No, Hulk Hogan is – he was lucky to body slam Andre. Like, that's Hulk the thing. Hulk may run wild, but he, he ain't running that damn wild. <laughs> no, Hulk Hogan, he, he's going to be staying in Venice Beach because of guys like these two gentlemen in the ring. Hell, Wadlow um, could sit down and he would leg drop Hogan. Oh my gosh! I mean, I'm just saying. I mean, I'm just oh. saying. Oh my gosh! I look. Well, this is not legitimate. Come on, I'm just you're, saying. You're right. You're right. Well, thank you, folks, for to, for those just tuning in. Thank you for tuning into uh, Interstate 70 or Sports Media's uh, newest episode of Roundabout Sports. I am the Maestro Jeremy Carp, alongside um, Hollywood James Knox. And Did I get you flustered over there? I, <laughs> it's it's that comment about the leg drop that's getting me, man. I'm telling you. I am the, the mad dog Chris Russo of this show. I really am. That's what it's become. So with the mad dog Chris Russo, I want to tell you, there's uh, there's one thing. <laughs> I want to ask your, your opinion on this. So we're underway in the Triple H era in WWE. Yes. And I'm telling you right now that – um, now here, here you go. Look at this Jags history right there. It says, let's yep. see Hulk Hogan body slam that guy. Yep. Great minds think alike. Absolutely. Okay, Apparently so. But anyway, going on about the Triple H era in WWE, 
How's the Cardinals looking right now? It's five nothing. I was looking over. They, they Rockies have runners on first and second with two outs. Ugh. But this home plate, mm, don't say it, James. Shut up. Yep. Come on. Uh -uh. You gotta, no, you I'm gotta, gonna do it. You got. You got. I know. I'm telling you not to. I'm have, like helping you watch, restrain yourself. I have to watch what I say. Yeah. Remember, this goes on YouTube. Um, yeah. I, yeah. No doubt. Right. <laughs> Right. Then again, when's that stopped? Any other show that gets mo more money than us? Um, uh, yeah, but yeah. <laughs> no, I, wear I those get it. I'd be very careful about what I say. Exactly. Uh, um, but nevertheless, okay, with the Triple H era underway in WWE, a lot of wrestlers that have were previously either let go or quit because right. they were unhappy with the Vince McMahon, I don't want to necessarily say regime, but just era, you know, because there really was an era of Vince McMahon. Um, and you know, Jack's history brings it up. Triple H yeah, is bringing back the people who were fired, but I find it interesting because the morale has never been higher in years in that well, locker room. And was, I think perhaps the biggest go ahead. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Go well, ahead. I was just gonna say this past Friday night on SmackDown, um, one of the biggest surprises I did not see this coming was when Drew McIntyre was about to start going and fight Roman Reigns. And just out of nowhere, Karrion Cross, along with Scarlett Bardot, Ooh, um, from, uh, <laughs> remember her, I remember her back in the Ring of Honor days. Yep. Um, and Karrion Cross and Scarlett returned. And they turned the out, Scarlett turns the hourglass towards Roman Reigns. That was the big thing, because even though they're still going to be going on as heels, the fact that you you could very well have a heel versus heel title match, you don't get to see that much. And that's something I want to see. I agree. And so uh, talking about Triple H bringing back those who have been fired. So the, the, the word coming out of AEW now is that AEW has become, has turned into the prison now where there are people there that they don't want to be there. You've got guys like, uh, you know, that have been in AEW that are talking about, well, we want to go back to, you know, we're going to go back to WWE now. Um, why can I not think of his name? Adam, uh, help me. Cole. Th thank you. Yes. Adam Cole talking about, Hey, you know, that he wants to come back to WWE. You bring back killing cross, you bring back Scarlet. We saw, and I didn't catch raw. I didn't get the chance to, cause I was, I had, a, I had middle school games at night. I heard about the car accident on raw. I heard about the end of the show. And I'm sitting there going, hmm, yeah. So I'm digging that. Um, back to what you were saying about at the uh, the Clash of the Castle. So the rumor is that they're still going to McIntyre and Reigns are the still going to be the the headliner. There was yes. rumors about them possibly turning that into a triple threat match. Those have been shot down. It looks like Cross will get his shot at Reigns, uh, but there's not really a timetable on there. This is. And, and and I'll say it. I will say the McMahon regime. This is like the. I think the end of McMahon being there was like the end of the reign of terror, because you were getting rid of guy. You know, Sasha Banks, Naomi gone, both which are outstanding, outstanding performers. You've got so Triple H is back in charge. You've got a women's tag team championship tournament that that starts. You've got they they've made the U.S. title relevant again uh and and the fact that lashley is holding this belt is where it yeah, needs great to match be. With Champa on oh uh, my Raw. god was that amazing I, I did see i did catch part of that uh highlight wise uh, i'll have to go back i'm, I'm planning on actually finishing watching that tomorrow 
Um, you know, the beauty of Hulu and short attention span theater. Uh, but going back to it, it's like, you know, what we're seeing is this is where you're getting your run. Obviously, Edge is back, the way they're building that up, which I don't know if you saw this. I think it's it's 380 some odd days. Edge will actually, he'll, I mean, obviously he'll be on Raw. He'll he'll fight. Um, why can I not? Damian, Damian Priest. Priest. And it's it's been 387, I think, days since he's actually performed live on Raw or SmackDown. Um, I believe it's been all, SmackDown. All of his matches have been on pay per view. Yeah, they they did. I did see that part as well. Jack's history again with the chime there. They also mentioned DIY on Raw, yeah. which I thought was interesting. So that makes me kind of think that, you know, and look, Triple H and Gargano were close. So are we at the point where you're going to bring them back? I mean, you know, and it's about time because so Triple H was always high on Tommaso Ciampa and they've got to do something with him. Being the, for the lack of a better term, being the Mrs. Bitch, he's way above that. Mm-hmm. This is not another... This is not another Alex Riley we're talking about here. Or Ms. Taraj. Yeah, that's a good one, too. Oh, God, I forgot about those idiots. Oh, yeah. Bo Dallas and uh, Curtis Axel. And, yeah, you're absolutely right. Tommaso Ciampa. And also, I hope they give the first name back. I like it. They're starting to do that with, like, Angel Garza. Whatnot. Yep. For, for some reason, Vince McMahon did not like first names. And people think we may be kidding. No. Vince McMahon, there's a reason why Matt Riddle is now just Riddle. Or Austin Theory is just now Theory. Right. Austin Theory is just now uh, Theory. Um, There is uh, Mustafa Ali, who is just Ali. Ali. Like, there's no point to it. Apparently, apparently Triple H has been in contact, too, and they're going to change T-Bar, his character, back. Yes, they're going to change T-Bar's character. Um, Which, again, I mean, and don't ask me to pronounce his last name because it ain't happening. Um, But... I mean, and, and I saw that comment there, and I, I saw that as well, that Triple H made Shawn Michaels keep in contact with Johnny Gargano, which, uh, look, obviously Shawn running NXT now. And, okay, so DX is running WWE. So, <laughs> you know, I mean, which, that's and back in 2006 was a bad thing, but in well, 2022, well, we'll take it. Well, back in 1997, you could get away with all that. So that's the other thing. Raw's gotten away from the PG. Now you're back to that. All of WWE has. Right, right. Well, and SmackDown was teetering on the edge with some of the language anyway. and But, I mean, Fox has even, they've kind of encouraged, hey, get a little bit more racy. It's Look, it's Friday night. I mean, you know, remember back, I'm, here we go, I'm going to date myself. It seems like I do this every damn show. You know, back in the late 90s, when you had the Monday Night Wars, like USA wanted the racy stuff. You know, I mean, it got and even the whole Shawn Michaels DX thing when they're like, you know, we've come in here to apologize and we won't say this word and that word. And, you know, everybody and they said that. it on the speech. <laughs> and the funny thing is, is that got some of the highest ratings and USA absolutely loved it. They loved it. So, I, I mean, you, you look at it, you know, I think that I saw. So I saw uh, one of these groups on on social media put out the uh, the live sex celebration with Edge and Lita. That I do remember. I, yeah, did. I remember that one. <laughs> Everybody's like, oh, you've got to be kidding me. This this is a show that's built towards family entertainment. Hold on. That's how families are made. <laughs> I'm done. I'm done. Yeah, sure. I'm done. Look, it's either the birds or the bees in that or Edge and Lita. I mean, come on. <laughs> well, so, but, but I mean, 
that's the kind of stuff. And I think that was really the last real racy thing that we saw. But hell, go back to the 90s, whenever you had, you know, the Undertaker kidnapping Stephanie, and then we find out that her own father's that whole behind it was, was messed up. Or the night that, you know, Austin was out on the bridge and through the, or no, the rock through the smoking skull belt. Threw over Austin over the bridge. I, that's where I was going. And then he ends up chucking Austin, or even the one that USA was not a big fan of. You know, let's not all forget that, you know, Brian Pillman and Stone Cold Steve Austin, when yeah. Austin busted, yeah. In, in Covington, Kentucky, and now, you know, in Pillman's real home with his real wife there and everything else, you know, after Pillman had the ankle injury, you know, yeah, sure, USA didn't care for that, but they also didn't mind that the ratings that that brought in because we all wanted to know what happened. Like, I remember back in those days, we don't have the, the rap sheets. We don't have the Dave Meltzer's of the world that we have now. Nobody could go online and figure out what really happened or if it was real or not. You're all sitting there waiting until, you know, at this point in time, it was 8, 9 Eastern or 9, 9 Eastern, 8 Central, because at that point in time, Raw was only a two-hour show. It's you're all like, oh, my God, we got we to gotta see what happened. Triple H and them, I think, oh, God. Yeah, I'm going to just put this one on here because oh, for I all the ones that are done right, let's keep in mind, there is such a thing as – Suggestive programming done wrong. This is the the one right here that Jack's history just shared with us. The Katie Vick story, where basically, to give you all the spark notes, skimmy version of this, Triple H accused Kane of necrophilia and proceeded to dress up as Kane and have <laughs> and have sex with a mannequin in a coffin. I. Oh, 2003 was a bad year, and I don't Remember care what anybody the, says. Because they used the ground beef of her as her brains and said that Triple H screwed her brains. <laughs> you know what? You know what's bad about that, Jeremy? Is I actually enjoyed that storyline. I don't. That just, shows you, that just shows you what kind of a sick individual. <laughs> Look, for me, when I was growing up, there was the live sex celebration. Um, <laughs> there was. There was basically um, the time Batista. I realize there's a lot of suggestive stuff. There was when Batista and Melina had their little thing going. Just just because Melina tried to uh, get yeah. Batista to not fight um, Eminem, and yeah, then Batista's now. like, "Oh, I'm gonna kill those guys now." Thank yeah. you. Like and okay, any WWE thing that involves a deceased wrestler that just Anything that involves exploiting the life of a deceased wrestler usually ends badly. Well, All bears earn um, anything about Eddie Guerrero or um, Owen or not Owen Hart, yeah. um, Brian Pillman. Well, okay, I guess Owen Hart. I mean, it depends how you look at it. I just know that whenever a wrestler passes away, it is not good for um programming and then look at the most controversial one obviously with chris benoit and, and what happened with his family in in all yeah. seriousness so you know but i i think what we'll see is i i do think that with triple h running you know running the show we've already seen this like there's a lot of good there's been a, a lot of good programming nxt wise as well um uh, so you know they're, they're kind of pushing braun breaker a little bit more and, yeah. and and i still think that triple h has his hand in nxt because that was his baby and I've, I've also heard r rumors there that the, the I think I mentioned this last week that the there's a good chance that they're going to bring back the black and gold brand. So 
I, I look, I, I'm in favor of it. I, I've I've enjoyed like I thought SummerSlam was just off the chain. I can't wait until Clash at the Castle. That is uh coming up soon. Actually, what in about three weeks, two and a half weeks, yep, something like that. Two and a half weeks. I know it's the um, Saturday right there in Labor Day weekend, which uh boy, did they pick a spot for that because you know, that's also the start of college football season. That's the first weekend. There's a lot going on. So, obviously, they're they're hoping to bring a lot of eyeballs to that. And uh, I just wish the one thing that Peacock would do was is allow me to, if I join a program late, to let me restart it and go all the way back to the beginning. I still wish they would put that in there. I know they've given you a, a little bit to go back, but, you know. I miss the network. That's all I do. Saying. Man, I do, too. And I, I miss it was, the fact It finally that, was kicked into high gear to where it was actually – working it was like because i remember at the beginning there was a lot of issues but nowadays like it has really been working out well and just uh it's just one know. of those situations now where you know money talks and, and bs walks and you know i like the thing on the network too because it would have the like the little bubbles or the little points in the programming where you could go to a certain point and, and watch from there instead of having to just, you know, go over to the fast forward button and make sure it's up to 96 where it flies through so you can actually get to what you're what you're doing. But, you know, that's nitpicking a little bit because they, they finally did figure out Peacock. Because if you remember the one event from I think it was Fort Worth, like it was it was money in the bank and it went out in the middle of the yeah. program. And uh, I was I was unhappy. But, you know, all in all, I think we're going to see a lot of changes for positives uh, here when you're bringing back a lot of superstars. Or wrestlers, because that's the other two words that Triple H is, you know, it's not necessarily sports entertainment anymore. They're wrestlers and they're wrestling. So I'm all in favor. Well, I am too. Well, James, we are going to transition now into the wonderful world of the NFL. And I tell you, there, I get it. We're heading into the start of the regular season. We've had preseason starting. Holy crap, injuries are piling up already. Do we, and, count, the, do we count the season starting considering it was the Jaguars and the Raiders? I mean, I guess. Don't really want to. I guess the season started for the Raiders. It, do we count it because, you know, they exist? No. Um, nevertheless. Relegation. No, Oh, oh gosh, no! It was the Hall of Fame game is the official start of the NFL season, and I will die on that uh, on that opinion because look, you get two teams out on that field, that's good enough for me. There was a delay um, on that game; it was so damn bad, God didn't want it. it <laughs> I'm done. <laughs> um, I'm done. I'm retiring. Yeah, question, I'm retiring early. Where where did the where did this NFL news? Did you see the newest news that come out today that? The Browns are expecting Deshaun Watson to take snaps against the Jaguars this week. Well, he is, he's going to because you can still take snaps when you're suspended. He's that's, not technically he's not suspended. Well, now that's the other. Well, there you go. Even more of a reason you can't. Although, did you did you hear the newest remarks from Roger Goodell? Oh yeah, he's going oh, for the pre- predatory behavior. Well, that's some heavy stuff right there, man. The yeah, especially the guy that works for Jerry Jones and Robert Kraft. Okay. Yeah. Pot calling the kettle black. Look, oh, like, I, like I said last week, Roger Goodell works for the owners. He yeah. is their puppet. Yeah. And as we've said on shows in the past, these guys, these four commissioners in the big four pro sports 
are doing an amazing job competing to see who's the worst at what they do. You know, everybody used to hate Gary Bettman from the NHL. He may be the most likable now. Or at least the least hateable. Well, yeah, right. The lesser you know of the, why? The I think it changed when he stopped trying to Americanize the game. When he's like, okay, Canada, first when he sent the Thrashers back to Winnipeg. That was a big thing. Right. Um, and I do think during COVID when they had the All-Canada division, that was pretty cool. That was pretty cool. I, I do like, like that. that. Like, I, you know, I, although, like I said, every draft, any any commissioner will get booed. It doesn't matter. NBA draft, Adam Silver gets booed. Um, and, uh, NHL draft, Batman gets booed. NFL draft, Roger Goodell gets booed the hell out of the building. And MLB draft, nobody cares, so Rob Manfred doesn't even show up. Does he even mm. – so anyway um, – <laughs> the, did you see where Gary Bettman when they had the uh, when they had the draft this past year in in Montreal and of course he's speaking oh. French and you know and he, he they start booting him he's like all right come on bring it on like he's he's like he's asking ready. for it well Goodell but, does too yeah, but but Goodell's an ass he, I don't think he has a sense of humor no he doesn't well here's something um so we were talking about with the start of the NFL season and one of the big injuries that was happened already was um ryan jensen of the Oof. Tampa Bay buccaneers their starting center their star center yeah their star offensive lineman i mean so then they go ahead and um they have practice their other center goes down thankfully yeah. it was just um cramps yeah not the knee injury they thought yeah i that's where right. i was that's exactly Hainsey. Yep. But yeah, it was everybody was so worried that he got hurt. Then you got guys like um and I, I I'm gonna probably struggle um pronouncing his first name, but I know who I'm talking about. McKee Beckton of the New York yep. Jets. Mackay Beckton. Mackay yep. Beckton. See, I knew I'd get it at some way. But Mackay Beckton, who all the talent in the world, but he already suffered a season ending injury in week one last year. Yeah, and goes out and fractures his kneecap. Now he fractures his kneecap. Wow! Before preseason even starts, and he's right. out. We don't even know when next year he'd be back. People don't realize, especially when you're, you know, a three hundred pound offensive lineman. Yeah. Fracturing your kneecap is not exactly the most recoverable injury. Right. Um. Then, like I said, you got your King Grant tearing his Achilles. But back to Beckton. For a team that has so much young talent and so much high hopes in a very tough division, you know, you got the Bills who are the AFC favorites, honestly, right now. Then you got the yep. New England Patriots who, like it or not, they're always competitive. You got the Dolphins who are trying to piece some guys together and get hey, get something. Who is the best quarterback in the NFL, right? He's he's the best when it comes to throwing a deep pass. Well, there according to Tyreek Hill, he's the best and he's the most accurate passer in the NFL. You know, I would believe that more if it weren't for the fact that his last quarterback was Patrick wasn't Patrick Mahomes. Right. That's the fun like I'm not gonna believe him either way, but when your last quarterback is Patrick Mahomes, unless your name is Aaron unless the quarterback's uh name on the next team you're on is Aaron Rodgers, there's not really much of an argument. I think we like, need to the, yeah, then there's news to talk about him too. I, I did you 
and I'm going to kind of shift gears a little bit here. Did you see the story that come out where they did the interview with him that said he started using psychedelic drugs to help him win back-to-back MVPs? Like the interview he did, he was talking about the the hundred hands on him. I'm like, what in the hell is this? Is he going to well, one of those places that Robert Kraft I mean, went to too? I mean, look, <laughs> you don't have to be in Colorado to be in the Mile High City. <laughs> his his new girlfriend's his new girlfriend's name is Blue of Earth. Well, I mean, that's better than having a kid named Northwest. Perhaps, but I mean, Blue on Earth does sound at least like somewhat. She's she's a witch. She's a witch. Like, look it up. I I honestly looked this up. She's a witch. Like, what's she going to do? Cast a spell on Tom Brady? Well, you know, the pack, first off, she can be a witch if she wants, but you'd also know that Green Bay fans would beg in a heartbeat to sell their shares on the team if it meant that Tom Brady would have a spell cast on them so the Packers can actually advance past them. I just Packers are going to go 13 and 4 this year or 14 and 3 and then lose in the divisional round or the championship round. Do you really think they're going to win 14 games? Who the hell is he throwing the ball to? Casper? <laughs> the friendly I mean we got the friendly ghost out there. We got the well we got the uh, I don't know anything. We're we're getting closer to Halloween hell. Hey, now they got Alan Lazard. It's okay. <laughs> okay, well, we're gonna get the witches from Hocus Pocus out there to catch the damn ball for him. Oh hell yeah! Look, I would love nothing more than to see Bat Midler score touchdowns in Green Bay. There we go. The wind beneath <laughs> he will call Aaron Rodgers the wind beneath her wings. Exactly, and just like the Chicago Bears call Aaron Rodgers the bane of my existence. <laughs> what do you say? He owns them. I was at that game with my friends, and we could hear it clear as day after Roger scored that touchdown. He goes right up to the fans, and he goes, I own you. I've always owned you. He does the title belt thing. I right. mean, we got another update out of St. Louis or, is it still, or out of Colorado. Is it still five having, nothing? having technical difficulties out here. There uh, we go. You ever get the, like, the message on Netflix? Like, do you still want to continue to watch Netflix? Well, on my stupid – what the hell's going on here? I'll, uh, take that, I'll take that as a no. It's five. Um, it's still five nothing, but you know, leave it to spectrum. Exactly. God, dang it. I know that happened. Anyway, yeah, frustration. No, um, back to the whole thing of the injuries, and I okay. First, we got to get back. We'll go to the psychedelic drugs. Look, I guess it's a good thing he didn't smoke weed because God, heaven forbid he'd be out 78 games like Josh Gordon has. Yep. Um, but you know what? If anything, Aaron Rodgers can be a spokesman spokesman for it after he retires in 10 years. Like I really thought you said spokesman. I, I'm losing my <laughs> mind over here. You know what? Now I went if it was about weed, I would have taken full advantage of that. Of that uh, potential just, pun. Yeah, well, just put that one in your back pocket. Roll it up. Yeah. Put it in your back pocket. Yeah. <laughs> Damn it. Um, <laughs> roll it up. Put it in. The- <laughs> sure. Put that in your pipe and smoke it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, where that came from. Oh, boy. Anyway. Okay. Yeah. So, about the injuries yep. that maybe some of these players could use the psychedelic drugs for. Well, um, I, I mean, didn't they? Didn't they say that they were going to quit testing for marijuana? 
they still are on that whole thing, and they are, but they aren't. But yeah, they no longer face as of February first. They no longer face the possibility of being suspended from games over positive tests for any drug, not just marijuana, under a CB under the new CBA. I mean, I would rather have my but, players. I would rather have my pl- players smoke weed than become addicted to pain pills. Yeah, but this is the thing. They will not be suspended for any drug, not just marijuana, under the CBA, but they will face a fine um, because now they're going to study pain management with use of marijuana, which is something that they should have done years ago, years before I was even born. And I'm 27. I mean, I've had had between my both my knees, I've had – 10 knee surgeries between nine on the right and one on the left. And I've, I've always been a big proponent instead of using something that's manufactured in a, in a, in a, in a, I guess in a warehouse or a pharmacy or whatever. I mean, you know, marijuana, even though there are psychedelic and, and other features to it, I mean, use something that's organic instead of, and, and I, I don't want to hear it from people who say it's a gateway drug. That's not what we're talking about here. We're just talking about the pure medicinal use of it because I'd rather have, you know, I have to think, and if I'm the NFL and the NFL PA, I have to look long-term that I would rather my players be, you know, smoke a little Mary Jane before they go to bed instead of popping handfuls of Vicodin. I mean, let's, let's be completely honest. I mean, right. Let's, let's look at it like this. One has. Why do Coke when you can go smoke? See? It may not be the same. It may not be the same message Nancy Reagan said in the eighties, but it's kind of in the ballpark. But, well, I mean, you're right. I mean, I mean, you look at guys like Ricky Williams. Remember the running back that? Oh yeah, Ricky Williams drafted by the Saints. Played for oh god, played for the Saints and the Dolphins. Right, come out of the University Mm -hmm. of Texas, and he has his own has started his own medicinal marijuana uh, yeah. business now. And, you know, it's guys like that. And we, we talk about it. We've seen it, unfortunately, with guys like Junior Seau. Um, who was it? Uh, Demarius Thomas that had CT as well. That, well look, uh, I know. And talk about somebody who, who died way too young. Well, I mean, both of them, even in the case of Junior Seau, the uh, the Hall of Fame linebacker from the San Diego Chargers. That's where, I mean, that's where I remember him from. That's where he made his mark before going on to the Dolphins. You know, what, you know, how would medicinal marijuana help them instead of wanting to commit suicide? Maybe, you know, hell, we use it. We use it for dogs and animals and stuff. And for people now for anxiety issues. It, it, I mean, it's no different. So I, I, I would rather go that route. And of course that sounds like what, that's what they're doing then you know, popping handfuls of some manufactured pill out of, out of some company. And, you know, that's, that's regulated by big pharma that big, you know, that's good. Anyway, that's a conversation for another time, but I think it it fits here as well. Yeah. And, you know, and I think that's a big reason that they put it in the new CBA because every time a player had gotten suspended, whether it be four games, six games, eight, however many based on marijuana use, um, or any recreational drug that was not that is not necessarily illegal in certain states and whatnot. Right. Everybody would just have an outrage over it. The players would have an outrage. The executives of the NFLPA would be outraged. Fans obviously would be outraged. Yep. Um, 
Well, and it just and came to a point where something. It also made it. It also made it harder to regulate too, because once Colorado made it legal, and then Washington, Oregon made it legal, then Illinois. I mean, okay, so it's the, it's no different than like. Well, never mind. I won't go there. But with certain laws where you can, how to, let's just put it this way: you can carry in one state and you couldn't carry in the other, and you know it's too hard to regulate. So just make it a big generalized across the board. Make it legal, or you know, I, I yeah. So no, I uh, I totally I get it. That. Oh yeah, here here's another. Before we get back on the topic of some of the things going on in the NFL right now. Here, here's one of the brightest um, stars, rookies we got here, Aiden Hutchinson. So Hard Knocks, for those that don't know, is a basically a docu-series following the life uh, or the lifetimes of an NFL team. And Lions. this year, it is the Detroit Lions, who, in my opinion, have a top five coach. And I don't care. I, you know, and I'm not even Wilson, talking like, I Wilson love Lions Dan Campbell. Bite your kneecaps. I love Dan Campbell. I do the too. Lions. He is great. I, and it's weird. You want to talk about dating yourself? Okay. I remember when he played for the Lions. I do too. I, I remember his in. card. Yeah, he was a tight end. I remember his football Number card 89. and everything. It is – time does fly. That's the weird thing. When Damn. the players start coaching. Um, but, no, anyway. And, and Becton is not the only um, notable injury – um, but it's definitely the most probably significant at the moment. Um, like I said, we've got, um, oh, here, well, he, <clears throat> Marquise Brown. I'll say, well, you're um, fine. Did you, did you, did you watch Hard Knocks last night? I did not get a chance to yet. Other um, than, other than Aiden Hutchinson singing, that was the most boring hour of Hard Knocks I've ever watched. Oh, God. I just it it didn't do anything for me. I loved it the year that the Rams and Chargers were on there. Um, I mean, I don't. I, I kind of wish. I wish they'd have picked another team. I, I like I mean, the. I, 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 I like understand the why. I, I do too, and I like the one they did last year in season with the Colts. But yeah. I'm just. I don't know. I mean, it didn't. I, it, it's the Lions. I mean, I saw Jared Goff on the one with the Rams and the Chargers. We all know he has a hot girlfriend, all this other stuff. Uh, unless you're going to showcase Dan Campbell, which I'm all for, uh, it's got to get better. Because if not, I think HBO is probably going to just be like, look, we've we got to figure out we've got to figure out another team to use here because yeah. that one was it was rough. Right, and you know, speaking of. I mean, rough. Just take a look at the Denver Broncos here. You know, they have some of the most, unfortunately, wow, rough injuries you've had to deal with at this moment. None bigger um, than Tim Patrick. Yeah. And with Russell Wilson having this this plethora of weapons at his arsenal, you know, like Jerry Judy, Cortland Sutton, Tim Patrick – and then you got Melvin Gordon and, um, oh gosh, Javante Williams in the backfield. But Tim Patrick was that guy that really was underrated and still had a phenomenal 2021. You know, he's one of the key pieces of that offense that's really looking on the up and up. 
Losing him is big. You go to guys like the uh, – and even Melvin Gordon's hurt. Ronald yep. Darby's hurt. Well, um, KJ Hamler's hurt. Another wide receiver. I mean, well, and with and with their with the injuries that Denver has in their backfield as well, they've been linked to uh, New England had come out earlier in the weekend said that they might they or they would listen to talks uh, and listen to trade offers for their running back Damian Harris, the former Alabama standout, and yeah. Denver's been linked to trying to possibly lure him away from New England as well. It could happen. And then here's an interesting one. This one's also sad. Jordan Matthews, wide receiver turned tight end. And you don't hear it too often, but, you know, but wide receiver turned tight end, um, Jordan Matthews, signed with the Niners. And just like that, placed on injured reserve um, with a knee injury. Um, August 4th was when that. It happened for him. Seahawks got just an unbelievable amount of injuries they're dealing with, including um, Gabe Jackson, Artie Burns, Ryan Neal, um, Tyreek Smith. We already know what's going on with Tampa Bay. Ryan Jensen is uh, – they're going to determine – they're not for sure if he's out the entire year, but they're going to go determine it. Robert Woods, newest, he's still recovering on the Titans. He's still recovering from his uh, ACL tear. Yep, Bobby um, Trees. Bobby Trees. Um, Chase Young's out on the Commanders. Um, Tyler Larson's out. Logan Thomas is out. Like, I know it's early. We're not, like I said, we're not even, aside from the Hall of Fame game, we're not even in week one yet. Right. And we're, we start tomorrow with the Giants at Patriots and Titans at Ravens. But look at what's already happening, James. I mean, I don't think there's – people say, you know, they talk about ways to make NFL safer. But the thing of it is, injuries are going to happen one way or another. And right. most of them will just happen by a freak accident. You cannot prevent injuries from happening. I, it's, I mean, it's, yeah, I mean, it's no different than it's no different than the NHL preseason. I mean, you, you know, and they get they get into their games quicker. But I, I mean, where would you think that these athletes would be in better shape? And I know that, you know, I just don't. Uh, I mean, I know some of them are fluke, and obviously doing some of these drills and stuff in camp, but. You know, for the most part, this isn't like the camps that Dick Vermeil used to run where you would have two, three a days and you're just banging heads all day long. I mean, a lot of these are non-contact injuries, and those are the injuries, unfortunately, that we're seeing that are putting out some of these big stars for like like a wide receiver and Tim Patrick out for the year. I mean, you know, it, you go back to the Super Bowl and, and, and with OBJ, you know, he goes down and, you know, just trying to make a cut, a simple cut, and tears his ACL, and and he's cooked, and there's no telling when he'll be back on the field. So, I mean, that's what we're seeing. A lot of these are these are non-contact, but unfortunately, they're ligament and tendon issues. And look, you know, I, I know that you're supposed to be an athlete and be in great shape, but those are the injuries that will put you out for for the entire year. Absolutely, folks. Thank you for tuning in to Roundabout Sports presented by Interstate 70 Sports Media. Once again, I'm the maestro Jeremy Carp alongside Hollywood James Knox. Be sure to advertise with us on I-70 Sports Media. You can send either James or myself a message. Um, if you have any interest, we would love to have you a part of our team. And you can find us on Facebook at Interstate 70 Sports Media at Roundabout Sports. 
James is also the host of the Strike Zone, which you can find on Roundabout or on Interstate 70 Sports Media on our YouTube page. And let me take you back. We're going to turn the clock back now as we get to our featured story. So we're going to flash it back to 2015. A young man out of Bronxville, New York, was selected by the St. Louis Cardinals in the third round of the 2015 draft. And, you know, he was a right-handed thrower, right-handed batter. Had a lot of flash to him. Um, he became the 11th player in his in the in his college history to record over 20 homers, over 100 RBIs, and over 30 steals in his career. Flash forward all those years later, and he became a star on the Cardinals, named Harrison Bader. Mm. And fans fell in love with him as time went on, you know. From his debut in twenty on July twenty fifth, twenty seventeen, to unfortunately when he got traded to the New York Yankees, and even afterwards, Cards fans have loved him. Mm-hmm. But today, he released on the Players Tribune a goodbye letter, and he also on his Twitter account released a farewell video. Yep. To the Cardinal fans, to Cardinal Nation, and it's weird because he had the flowing locks in the past and now he got a a cut a yeah cut like a, a cut like a new york strip um yeah, no doubt and but they show you the highways you see john rooney's calls and then he and then on the article it's just he pours his heart out he shares all the memories all the good times and i tell you you may people may not think that it may get annoying when we say Cardinals fans are the best fans in baseball. I understand that it would be annoying. But if a guy, even when players only spend a couple years with the team, leave, and then they say how much of a blessing it was to be on this team in this city of St. Louis, can you really blame them? I mean... I think it comes. We're second to none when, or first to none when it comes to best fans in baseball. Like there, there is a reason why the fans in St. Louis are known as the BFIB, and I know this annoys Cubs fans, and I know it annoys Dodger fans, and whoever else out there don't care. There's a reason why Matt Carpenter, in you know, in the first at bat of every game this weekend got a standing ovation. And there's a reason why when Bader comes back to St. Louis next year, because the way the schedules are now, they're balanced and the Yankees will actually be back in St. Louis again next year, why he will get a standing ovation. Harrison Bader is the baseball equivalent to the hockey version of one TJ Oshie. So Bader was flashy, had the hair, um, uh, he was just, he stole, he, I mean, he did, he stole the hearts of St. Louis baseball fans by the way he played and wasn't always the offensive numbers, numbers weren't always there, but we see that Bader was never short of highlight caliber plays. He certainly was uh, visible in the community, you know, with the kids and everything else. And, 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 you know, I, I, and I'm sure New York will treat him 
well, or at least I hope so. I don't necessarily care for the role that – so they're saying that he is going to be a prime defensive player off the bench. I don't think that's the role for Harrison Bader. I really don't. But, no. you know, it's – you know, again, that's, I guess, above my pay grade. But the the quote, you know, Harrison Bader, I'm going to just – I'm going to – a couple of highlights from this. And this is on the uh, Players' Tribune, if you uh, haven't seen this. He goes, first off, from the bottom of my heart, I want to say thank you. St. Louis, I want to tell you with all the love and respect in the world how grateful and appreciative I have been uh, to be a part of this community for the past six years. And he, he goes on to say he'll never forget how awesome it felt to walk around the city, just knowing it was part of something unique. Uh, talking about the responsibility, he goes, you notice the sound, you feel the noise, your jersey vibrates. It's the easiest way I could describe it. And I always cherish those moments. I use your energy and support as fuel to go out there and be the best ball player I could be. The passion involved with it was all for you guys. And I never took that responsibility lightly. And I never took the uniqueness of all of this for granted. And I, I think the Cardinals had ideas that for a long time he was going to be the, the face of the franchise. Actually, when they released these baby blue unis that I have on at, at the down at Ballpark Village, he was the model for them. He really was at, at a point the the stylish kind of like GQ like Broadway look for the Cardinals and and Harrison Bader and he was kind of the whipping boy when things would go wrong or when his offense would slump and you didn't need him to be great offensively if everybody else around him was producing because he was there defensively his war was based on his defense and his speed and uh, you know again uh, Harrison Bader became quickly became one of my favorite players. And, uh, you know, while I, I appreciate and understand the acquisition of the left-handed pitcher, Jordan Montgomery, that the Cardinals got from the Yankees, Harrison Bader is, still has a place, I think, in all of our hearts. I want to show five pictures. I'm going to put on the overlay. And I think it, it goes without saying that for anybody that doubts why St. Louis is the BFIB, these pictures will show when John Jay came back for the first time after leaving the Cardinals, he got an ovation. When uh, Stephen Piscotty came back for the first time after leaving the Cardinals or, you know, and mind you, before I show this picture, they traded him because his mom lived in Oakland. Right. And they wanted him to be closer to his mom, who had ALS. Yep. Or there's Colton Wong. So I'm gonna yep. show. So I'm gonna show the one. This is when Colton Wong came back. Um. So there's that one. Here's the one where um, Matt Carpenter just last there's week Matt came Carpenter. back. Yep. And you already know the ovation he got. I think it goes without saying there was this guy that um, he played a little bit on the Angels, but he got a nice ovation, Albert Pujols. After all those years, the first time he came back to St. Louis. Yeah, that's almost a crime that MLB did not schedule that to happen sooner. That That is a legitimate crime, but I think it also made the moment even more special. I I'll agree. say that. Um, and here's one that I had the pleasure of being there for. Um, and 
it was when David Freeze came back with the yep. Pirates for the first time. Yep, I remember that. And they gave him such a big ovation, tipped his cap, got a hug from Yachty. I mean, and like I said, I will find the – I know I have the picture of Piscotti as well, and I'll pull that up soon. Yeah, that was as, a – that was a huge ovation. That was a huge roar when he and, came back at that game. Yeah. And, you know, it was definitely an emotional thing because with all of them, it's just. But I mean, I mean, look at you. We see this. We see this not only with baseball, we see it with hockey when Bacchus came back and Oshi came back and, and, and those guys. But you look at, I mean, look at. Skip Schumacher, who's on the Cardinals staff now. The first time he came back, like the the stadium was shaking. I mean, this is by it, the it's, way, it's it's there part it is. And there's Piscotty right and there's there. There's Piscotty the when he came back with the A's when he came back to Bush Stadium, and once again, crowds on their feet giving him an ovation. Like it does not matter what team you go to, it doesn't matter when you're a Cardinal, you are a Cardinal for life. And that's I mean, the thing I love most about this team is that one way or another, like, I mean, I even mean, if you're, I would say, even if you're playing for a rival, like when Jim Edmonds was with the Cubs and the first time he came back to St. Louis, he got a standing ovation. I, yeah. I was there with that one as well back in 08. Scott Rowland with the Reds. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, these guys, it's not just the fans. This is St. Louis culture. Okay. And, and Harrison said it. Once you're a St. Louisan, you're a St. Louisan for life. I mean, Absolutely. you know, look at look at the athletes that have retired from the Blues or the Cardinals or even the Rams that stuck around. I mean, Brad Thompson still lives in St. Louis. Matter of fact, he's on the air right now doing Cardinal games with Danny Mack. Jamie Rivers played for the Blues. He's on one-on-one ESPN. Uh, you've got guys, hell, even Isaac Bruce, who played for the Rams when they were in St. Louis. He's Isaac still, Bruce Foundation. Right. There you go. Yeah. Um, I mean, there's – there's tons of athletes, and you can look at Brett Hall, Bernie Federko, who got traded to the Red Wings, came back to St. Louis. Um, look at guys like Ricky Horton, who still lives in the area. Uh, I mean, it's not – so you hear all the bad stuff about happen that happens in St. Louis, whether it's crime, whether it's this or that. St. Louis is a close-knit community. I, I don't care – the other stuff take, – take the other stuff out of it. I mean, once you – look, I've I, – I grew up – in Granite City, which obviously you know, Jeremy is right across yeah. the river from St. Louis. You know, I grew up there, um, and a big piece of me is still there. I mean, that's that's home to me. You know, when I whenever I come back to visit for a Cardinals game or a Blues game or or whatnot, look, you see the arch, and you just you get that feeling. And that's not just the gateway to the West; it's a gateway to a very close knit community that they embrace those that choose to make St. Louis their home or to be, you know, they accept and they accept people from, from, from the outside that moved there for the first time, they become family. And, and I think you see this athletically, you see this in terms of, you know, whether it's just a big, I mean, look, John Ham. I was, I had this conversation the other day, Sterling K Brown, John Ham. Uh, you know, Fisher from the office. Why can't I think of her first name? But those are big time athletes. And how many times have we seen John Hammond Cardinal games or Blues games? And, you know, they still, that you know, and 
they embrace St. Louis as their home and, and it's just the way it is. And, and I, I think that, you know, I hated to see Harrison Bader go, but you know, unfortunately sports is a business as well. Yeah. And that, that's just kind of the way, and it's Jenna Fisher. <laughs> I figured I'd, <laughs> I well, figured I've been on the roll. I've been on the roll finishing names for you tonight, so I might well, as well keep. And it I was going. trying to think of the. I was trying to think of the comedian too, and they've had her on some of these St. Louis commercials, and she's the tall blonde, and she does a lot of the roasts, and she has her own show, and I can't think of her, but she is a she's a St. Louisan, and, and and of course she lives there too, and you know she's even said on her show on E that you know it's hey. You know, St. Louis is home. I mean, so, and I've got to look up her name now because it's driving me nuts. No. But I tell uh, you, I, I've been terrible with names tonight. I, this I don't has know been what. A rough, rough name night. Don't. Yeah, apparently this so. Is not a, this is not the time for him to play a name guessing game show. No. Um, but no, they're absolutely right. Like, Nikki Glazer. Thank you. There we go. There you go. Well, I mean, um, you, 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 I mean, you can even look at like Cedric the Entertainers from the area. I mean, and then they all claim St. Louis is home. I mean, no matter how big you get or how far you, how far away you get, your heart is is always where you grew up and where right. home and is. Where you're, and, and whether you retire from St. from like right. say you're an athlete, whether you're retiring from St. Louis, like a St. Louis sports team, whether you were traded to it, whether you were released. Yeah. Like, I mean, let's not act like that doesn't happen a lot. A lot of times they release fan favorites. Um yeah. And it hurts because you know it's coming. Right. You know it's going to happen. And, but at the same time, at some point, you, you just, they, they send their thanks. You know, players might only be around a couple years and they still send out their, right. their heartfelt thank yous and everything to St. Louis because it is more than just a, it is a baseball town, but it, it's a lot more than that. Well, I mean, take into look at, Chris Prongers are a really good example of this. Prongs gets traded to the Blues in 94, 95, and he's traded for a fan favorite in Brendan Shanahan. Well, the Blues coach at the time was Mike Keenan. <laughs> Whatever. We'd have, have been fine had he not, not stuck around in St. Louis. But Pronger came in, and initially Pronger was hated by the fans because they you traded a fan favorite for him. And now look at it. They retire Pronger's jersey last year. They have the huge ceremony. Prongs lives in St. Louis. He, you know, and for the longest time, he was with the Blues in a, in a front office position before taking one with the Florida Panthers. And, you know, but he calls St. Louis home. He was accepted, you know, and it, it took a while because let's, they, Brendan Shanahan was one of my favorite players too. I, mm -hmm. you get rid of Shanahan, you get rid of Hull, you get rid of Gretzky, you get rid of Curtis Joseph. Yeah, no. Yeah. Uh, but on all those guys, they, I mean, with the exception of Curtis Joseph, who moved back to, to Canada, but Brett Holt, I mean, obviously he's got a restaurant in town. Uh, Ozzy Smith, you know, remember he got, he wasn't, I he remember wasn't Ozzie's, and yeah, he, no, was he, traded, he was traded from the San Diego Padres for Gary Templeton, who, uh, called, we all, we were all number one to him. Um, but yeah, you know, I think there, there's somebody that, uh, I don't know about always being, a, I don't know if, uh, Gary Templeton would be right. A, but, but point being is <laughs> right. The point being is, I mean, you know, it's just the kind of community it is. And even, you know, baseball, hockey, you know, and when the Rams were in town, I mean, there were guys like Isaac Bruce, Torrey Holt, uh, that, you know, Ernie Conwell, the tight end was huge. Um, yeah. Marco Farr, he, he lived in St. Louis for a while after the fact, before he followed the team back to LA 
to work for him. But I mean, just that's that's the kind of that is the kind of community and the kind of culture that I think St. Louis breeds, to be honest. Can with I you. also uh, bring this up? You know, we talk about players that leave. Let's also not forget about players that arrive. I think the one of the best examples of a player getting just a loud ovation in his debut was Larry Walker. Oh, man, yeah. Larry yeah. Walker, you know, he's a guy, thank heaven he's in the Hall of Fame. But here's right. a guy came from the Expos, came from the Rockies. He just had a successful stint with the Rockies. You know, people thought he was old and washed up, but he comes to the Cardinals in a hell of a deal. Um, and – just like he comes in, gets a huge ovation, and he immediately produces and makes an already more dangerous, already dangerous lineup, even more dangerous. And he right. was the only one that was producing in the World Series um, when Matt Holiday first arrived, when Lance yeah. Berkman first arrived. Matt, Lance Berkman got an ovation after he grounded out in his first Cardinal at bat. Like, Carlos that's, Beltran. Carlos Beltran. I mean, and to me, here's here's a guy that. Um, when he first arrived and when he and when he was in his last I think the player I'm about to name had to me one of the biggest could have been careers in recent baseball memory but he is so beloved still and that's Alan Craig oh torty Alan Craig was there, there was just that 2 3 year stretch where he looked unstoppable and then the injuries started piling up and production dipped, and he just never recovered. But the fan support for him never, never dipped. And yeah, that's the thing. And that's the thing. Harrison Bader, in a way, like even when he was struggling at the plate, even when the plantar fasciitis was really kicking in and getting and had been getting worse, fans still loved him. Fans still love him. I right. mean, I remember when I told uh, one of my friends that he had just been traded it when I was at work. She was she was upset about the whole thing. Like she couldn't believe it. Like, are they serious? How could they? Like, because I, I was I was on the air when he got traded, and so I'm like, oh, we got Jordan Montgomery for what? And like, if you go back and watch it, you go back and watch my trade deadline show. Like, I literally didn't know what to say for like a minute and a half. And if I you couldn't believe me, it. If you know me, I'm very, very limited times or there are times where I'm speechless. But I went back and I was like, what? We traded who for huh? And like, so of course I started digging into the stats and everything. I'm like, hmm. But it's funny that you bring up Alan Craig. Alan Craig suffers the Liz Franck injury against Cincinnati in Cincinnati that day game. And so you knew immediately something was wrong. And it's kind of funny because you're right. The... And of course, when he went down, we're like, oh, you've got to be kidding me. Because Alan Craig was just an unbelievable. He was a huge part of the, the World Series victory. You know, he was a leader on this team. Obviously, he had the pet turtle, Torty, which became kind of its own little superstar celebrity. And now you look at Harrison Bader being traded away. Well, Alan Craig was traded away as well with Joe Kelly to the Boston Red Sox for John Lackey, a pitcher. From the AL East, Harrison Bader, plantar fasciitis, gets traded away to the New York Yankees for Jordan Montgomery, a pitcher from the AL East. Parallels. Yeah, and let's not forget, Joe Kelly is one of the funniest baseball players out there. And he's a that one hurt. Son. When they traded Joe Kelly, I was legitimately pissed off. 
because I love it. And his personality, remember the standoff he had with the Dodgers player? Outside I love of the- it. Uh, I think that was also AJ Van Slyke, if I remember. It was. It, yeah. it was. You nailed it. Yeah, right on. Yeah, right on. Right on the side. Um, and another another one that also hurt me, and I and I don't know where it was where his career just shifted, but one that really hurt me was Michael Waka. Oh when, man! When Waka left, when and he's been good this year with the Reds. Matter of fact, he shoved against us when he pitched for the Red Sox earlier against us. I uh. And Lance Lynn, there's another one. Uh, like Lance I, Lynn. Man, I wish we still had him. God, I think that is one of those WTF moves. <laughs> that is definitely one that the Cardinals, I feel, would want to have back. But, so, you know, um, no, go ahead. Why there, put there, something up? There were, two that, there, were, there were two that stung me really, really, really bad on the hockey side of things. One was TJ Oshie. Oh, my God. So – I'm going to yeah, oh, here, here's here's a little disclosure for you. I have a I have a stuffed polar bear. Okay. Yeah. And I got him for my 31st birthday. Yep. And he is a Build-A-Bear polar bear. And when I got him for my birthday, he had a St. Louis Blues jersey on, and his name is Oshi. That bear is 11 years old and still <laughs> resides in my bedroom so i was i was and still am a huge tj oshi fan another side note another one that hurt was when the blues traded patrick berglund and Ooh, i had became a huge berglund fan and the thing is is the fans boy he was a whipping boy him and bo meester both were the whipping boys and that's not patrick berglund's fault he was a first round draft pick the bar was set up here when it should have been here but oshi my polar bear has a stuffed elephant friend, and his name is Bergie. So <laughs> those were, at one point in time, they were my two favorite hockey players on the Blues. I love them both. Uh, obviously, Berglund came over in the Ryan O'Reilly trade. So I like to think in my own uh, convoluted mind that Patrick Berglund helped bring us the Stanley Cup. Well, and we talk about trades and goodbyes and hellos. Um I brought this up today on the I-70 Sports Media Facebook page. Ah, uh, yes. So a lot of people, there's people out there that were wondering, you know, okay, everybody knows Nolan Arenado right now is an MVP candidate. Um, he's just absolutely on a complete tear. So people have been wondering, how are the guys that the Cardinals traded to Colorado for Arenado and $50 million doing? How are they doing so far? Well, I got the list, uh, thankfully, of those five players. They're doing better than the Rockies general manager who traded him to us. Okay, well, then there's there's a bar for you. <laughs> yeah, um, pro- probably the only aspect of Colorado that's not high right now. <laughs> no, um, he was high when he made that trade. He was very high when he made that trade. So we got Austin Gomber, pro- definitely the biggest name out of everybody on the list. Yep. Especially at the time. People, I had high hopes for him as well. I thought I thought there was going to be a good trio there with him, Hudson, and Flaherty. Yep. Well, Flaherty's hurt. Gomber's doing terrible, and I'm about to tell you how terrible. And Hudson can't get out of uh, two the innings. fourth inning? Or the fourth inning, yeah. Either or. All right, Gomber has a 5.64 ERA in 97 in a third innings this year. Has he been um, hurt? Yes. He's also I was surprised he wasn't pitching in this series against us. Yeah, he's also been hurt. Uh, Mateo Gill, 
He is in high A right now in the organization, hitting 213. His slash line is 213, 279-393. Jake Summers, he's also in high A right now. 5.59 ERA. Tony Losey, he's in double A right now. But he's got a 13.50 ERA. And then lastly, we got Eloris Montero. (laughs) Well. Well. Yeah, not great. There. Not, not good. Um, he has 17 hits and 60 at-bats this season. Oh, you know. That's there. So, meanwhile, Cardinals have themselves a MVP candidate and $50 million to spare. Why not? Um, you know. So, but all in all... To, to go back to the bulk of this, it just shows how much love there is within the Cardinals and their fan base. And Harrison Bader summed it up perfectly. Um, it's hard seeing an outfield over these past few years, like after seeing the past few years, it's hard seeing one without him. Um, and I remember the, the, the gasp of air we all took when he just missed the the ball in the ninth inning that would have gotten Michael as his no hitter. Yep. And we know it wasn't his fault. It was just yep. the distance. It right. was all strictly the distance. Um, and for all we know, Barry Bader could have been hurting then too, you know, yep. could have been an early sign of plantar fasciitis that you know, just wasn't able to, but the defensive plays he made were stellar. The offensive plays, the plays at the plate, I mean, were clutch when called upon. And we just, I just wish him the best. And I, well, I share, I share that sentiment with you. And, you know, unless we play him in the world series, then I hope he strikes out every time. Well, I think Dylan, well, throw him a slider. Uh, so Dylan Carlson made him expendable by the defense that Carlson played while Bader was out. And we sit and talk and I'm kind of glad we brought this up. And, and I, I told you uh, kind of off in a private message that I was going to defend Mo, here comes my defense of John yeah, Mosellac. Here it comes. So I don't know why we ever question Mosellac. I really don't, because it's always these small moves that kind of come out of nowhere that seem to patch a hole or fix an issue. Last night we saw what happened to Michaelis. We are in, and I know it's a small sample size. I don't need a bunch of you sending me messages and stuff like that bitching at me. So shut up. So <laughs> get off my yard. Anyway, um, you know, we're, we're, we're looking at how Jordan Montgomery pitched against the Yankees Saturday night. He throws five, throws five innings. He gives up two hits, gives up no runs. Uh, he's not, he's not going to strike out a bunch of guys. He's just not going to. That's fine. And I know it's, again, small sample size. But we're in, the, you know, tonight. You know, Quintana pitched great in his first, his first game. Unfortunately, he didn't get a win because Jordan Hicks blew the damn game. Thankfully, the Cubs or the Cardinals were able to come back and beat the Cubs. But through, you know, four innings tonight, oh, oh, hang on. Ah, Paul DeYoung just missed a home run by inches. I'll tell you what, he's on fire. Uh, but I, nonetheless, I digress. You know, yeah, Quintana's pitching well tonight. He's given up one run through four innings, and you're talking about what happened last night. But it's always these small moves. You know, it, this year it was Quintana and Montgomery. Last year it was uh, John Lester and J.A. Happ. 
Without those two guys, you don't go to the playoffs. I've said it before. I'll say it again, and I'll die on that hill as well. So, you know, I'm going to defend him. And we made – I love the joke you made. Yeah, well, if you – you know, I said I'm not necessarily going to take Mo out for a beer or buy him a beer. Uh, you know, Jeremy fires back. Well, if you take him out for dinner, I hear you have to pay. And that's because I told him that the, the, the wits told Mo he couldn't pay. And then that's kind of been the story. We're not looking at big superstar acquisitions. Hang on. We got another base hit. The Young's going to come around to score here. And who got that? Is that Lars Newbar? No, Yachty drives in the run. Four's there back. we go. Yeah. Cardinals have only lost one game, by the way, since Yachty's been back. And that was the game last night. Uh, so, I mean, you look at these small little uh, acquisitions pitching-wise. So, yeah, I, maybe – Maybe we need to go easy on Mo. Mo seems to find what we need to help patch a hole. Do I wish he'd go out and make a big splash? Sure. But looking at the Padres, am I glad that we didn't go out and get Juan Soto? Yeah, I kind of am. Because I'm not going to salvage my future for one player that I can't pay in two years. You know, and Cardinal fans aren't going to have that. There's not one uh, There's not one fan, and Jeremy, I think you would agree with me, that want to go through the Cardinals – rebuilding and missing the playoffs three out of four. Look, we missed the we missed the playoffs three years in a row when Mike Matheny was the manager. Those are the most those are the three most miserable years of me being a Cardinals fan. You go to uh, you know, turn on postseason baseball and the Cardinals not be there. Dude, that's un American. I, I think the, the I can think of years worse than that as far as Cardinals baseball goes. Because at least the nineties suck too. Okay, the nineties were ass. But I was also going to go and say the post-2006 World Series years. So you got your 07, your 08, and 09. You know, 2010 wasn't great either. No, 2010 wasn't great either because you were already – the Cardinals limped their way into the 06 playoffs and then to the series. 83 um, wins. Yeah, 83 wins. Still the lowest for a champion. Yep. Um and, and they were so, they won a division that year. Yeah. I mean, uh, think just, about that. But, you know, you were talking about, like, even 09, we made the playoffs in 09. That was the year we right. acquired Matt Holiday from, at that time, the Oakland A's. And all I can remember about that playoff series getting swept by the Dodgers was the fact that Matt Holiday on a line drive hit the left field, misplayed it, and hit him in the fruit basket. That's all I remember from that damn series. That's it. I, I couldn't tell you who pitched. I couldn't tell you anything and then 2011 happens and then you got i still don't know how the hell that happened pools holiday berkman beltran david freeze i mean would that was that the that was the the offseason before that's when we acquired fernando vina right no not vina um um definitely not fernando vina oh hell who is it Folks, I David swear, Eckstein. David. No, one David Eckstein in the. No, that was six. What the hell? What's the second baseman's name? Help me out here. See, here we go again. Nick Daniel Punto. Descal oh, Nick Punto. I was going to yeah. say. Descalzo, Descalzo was there as well. Yeah. But I mean, who is the, let's see, who is the shortstop for that, for those, for the 2011 World Series? Descalzo. Was he the starting shortstop? Oh, um, Shit. I don't know who's. He... I'm telling you what, I'm having a terrible night with names, dude. It's been a week. It, it really has just been a week. 
Uh, well, down. no, no. Um, Raphael for call. Thank you. <laughs> I should know that. Me and him share a birthday. <laughs> yeah, but <laughs> do you call him and say happy birthday, person? No, I can't. I don't. I don't speak Spanish. Not well, anyway. <laughs> um, but That's no, because because you had this is, call, who your, this is who your lineup. This was your lineup. You had for call. You had John Jay. You had Pujols, Berkman, Holiday. Yep. Freeze, Molina, and Punto. That team was stacked. Yeah. And you know, I just yeah. but no, I and I and I do understand that because we let's also quickly while we talk about this, you know, as we head into the close, um, about the whole trading with Juan Soto and Josh Hader. Okay, Hader well, had, had one of his worst outings. Oh in his career God. last night. The Brewers oh, won. Or not the Brewers. The Padres won on a – Blew a 4-1 lead. Yeah, he blew, he blew a 4-1 lead, but Machado bailed him out on a walk-off. Doesn't change the fact that haters sucked that night. Um, Soto has done absolutely terrible. He hit his first home run yesterday. I saw but other than that, he has done terrible since um, joining the Padres. And it wouldn't be as big a deal if he did not say – Good luck to the other pitchers. I wish the other pitchers that faced us. Good luck. Okay, well, I mean, I believe it was you that mentioned they are kind of having good luck, you know? Yeah. Like, yeah. it's not like they're exactly having a bad time against the Padres. And in, if there's ever a division you cannot afford to really fall back in, <laughs> it is the National League West. That thing's a buzzsaw. I mean – That thing, uh-uh, because – You no, can swap by the right. Dodgers. Yeah, they got swept by the Dodgers over the weekend. I love the fact – and, look, I hate the Dodgers as well. But it was funny. They had one – did you watch that game Sunday night? Yes. They had Juan Soto mic'd up. And on the one Cody Bellinger home run, he's like, stay in here, stay in here. And I'm just laughing the whole time because you knew the ball was gone. But, you know, it's one of those things where, like, I wouldn't run your mouth. When you got traded to San Diego, you were 12 and a half games out of first place. I mean, you've got some ground to make up. Now, does that mean that they won't be – the idea of like let's get in and see what happens. No, they'll be a wild card team. But I'll take my starting pitching over your big bats any day of the week. Okay. There, there's here's my final here's probably what's going to be my final question for you then this evening. All right. Healthy rotation that we got right now. Say our say our rotation's healthy and everything okay. we got. Rotation's right now. healthy. All right. All right. And you're in the playoffs. And you're facing the Padres, who are also healthy. Question: Is Flaherty healthy? Because he does. He did start a rehab tonight okay. in Memphis. By the time I anticipate, if there there's no setbacks, I anticipate Flaherty being ready by the end of the year. And if we make the postseason, yes. Okay. But let's just take the rotation that they got now. Okay. And you're going up against. In a series. When I it can't be just one wild card. It has to be okay. a series. So we'll just take a series against the Padres. Well, remember you th- have remember this year the, remember this year the playoff format, the wild card game has become a best out of three. Ooh, okay. So you added the extra wild, you added the extra playoff. That's right. Team. You did have the third wild card. Okay, so yeah, at a best out of three series, do you take the Cardinals pitching over the Padres hitting? No. Mm-mm. See, there it is. And here's why. Here's why. I hope. It's it's a, da- Dakota Hudson is garbage. Yeah, Hudson's done. As they will not pitch concerned. Hudson in that series. As far as I'm concerned, 
Well, in that series, if you're going top three starters, if I get a healthy Michaelis, a healthy Wayno, ooh, and a healthy Jack Flaherty. Oh. I'm putting either Flaherty or ooh. Quintana in there. I cannot ooh. put – I will not – I would step ooh. down from my position ooh. as um, president of baseball operations if I even considered putting in Dakota Hudson. Look, as far as I'm concerned, we're still trying to win a damn division. As far as I'm concerned, Andre Palante is getting that fifth start. That's exa- that's fine by me. I'm just saying. Dakota like, can go, it is a, I think the problem with Dakota Hudson is he his pace. for all I care. Well, they DFA'd him today. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Going. So I would send Hudson back to the AAA. And, and let me – I heard this. I would send Dakota Hudson back to AAA and make him pitch faster because they have a pitch clock down there. Yeah. Speed his pace up and see if he pitches better. Anyway, uh, man, I don't know. I, I guarantee you the series goes three games, and I'm probably going to start – I'm hmm, I'm going to go – I'm gonna. I've got to go Uncle Charlie in game one because I trust Adam Wainwright. Um, after that, I'm probably going to go Jordan Montgomery and then Miles Michaelis. And because, and the only reason I'm not starting Quintana is because he's pitched in the bullpen before as a swing guy. So okay. do I think you win the series? Probably not. I think it goes three and I think it's good, but you got to play matchups. And this is where that damn three batter minimum rule sucks because you can't go right, left, right. Like you used to. And we saw Bruce Bochy was the master of that when oh, he was yeah. winning world championships with the San Francisco Giants. So, one no, in, if you out. face San, <laughs> if you face San Diego in the first round, you can forget it. And that and that's where I wrap all this around to. As much as San Diego is struggling, and as much as they're probably not going to catch the Dodgers, um, like I said, anything can happen. I think the Cardinals have proven that time and time again. Right. It look if the Cardinals keep it where they're going, um, say the Cardinals do end up as a wild card, and say the Padres and are a wild card as well. Mm-hmm. If they face the way they're at now, one way or another, the Padres lineup is just too dangerous. I mean, you got you'll have Tatis, Machado, and Soto, and right. you're expecting. I mean, you're expecting these Cardinals and. And keep in mind, we're not even just talking about starters because you're not going to get three complete games in a series. No, you're, you're not, not going kidding. to. This is not 1974. You're not getting <laughs> three complete games out of them. So you're going to go to the bullpen, and you're going to have to expect um, Jamie Molly. You're going to have to expect Jordan Hicks. You're going to have to expect um, basically anybody in there that's not your plante. You're going to have to expect guys that are basically not Ryan Helsley to get Machado, Soto, and Tatis out. You know the Padres have played five more games than the Cardinals. Holy crap! So, so I'm sitting here not have off days. Hell, I don't know. I'm sitting here trying to figure this out. Like winning percentage, they're only three percentage points better than the Cardinals. Because I was trying to look at the National League wild card standings to see how it would match up. But I mean, it's it's hard to do whenever you're looking at it and trying to judge when a team's played five more games than the other team. Yeah. They played 114. The Cardinals have played 109. Oof. I mean, I'll tell and you it, this. Cardinals, you look, know, you, you – what's that? The Cardinals have the easiest schedule based on percentage points the rest of the year. That is true. They do so, have the easiest schedule. But at the same time, 
Um, but there's also one one problem is the biggest thing is it's not just beating the teams you're not expected to beat, it's ex- beating the teams you're expected to beat. The problem, is the, the, play, the problem is, is they play down to their competition. Everybody and expected them to beat the Cubs. Nobody expected them to beat the Yankees. That's how I look at it. Well, here's the thing, too. So right now, obviously, the Cardinals, as of right now, are the, the – was this going into tonight's play, I'm guessing? Um, we're, are a division leader. So what you need to happen is if you win the National League Central, that's what, that's the best-case scenario because then you can avoid the Padres in a wild-card series. Win you your division. Win the division. You got That's hey, you've got three games at Bush Stadium this weekend against Milwaukee. Sweep them, I mean, they're put them and yeah, bury them in front of a business. Bury them. I think the way I see it, the National League Central is the weakest division, without a doubt, in the National League. One and of the base. weakest. I'm about the only reason I'm not gonna say baseball is the American, because League, the American League West. Oh no, I'm well, gonna say yeah. the American League West exists because guess what? It's you know what? There's a lot of two team divisions the way I look at it. Because you have in that division, you got the Astros and you got the Mariners this year. Preach. Um, no, I want to, I am cheering. I am cheering so hard for Seattle to make the playoffs. I love that ball club. They are I'm, young. You know what? They I, are I, yeah. That's but this is the problem with Seattle. And like I said, I'm not gonna go too off topic because we are getting near the end, but I'm gonna say this about Seattle. They're always they're the team lately that's just right there but they're the outside team that's right there. Yeah. They're never the inside team that sneaks in. They're just the in, the, team, the outside team that misses out. Like your and Cleveland I, Browns. Exactly. <laughs> I'll, I'll take it. Shit. Um, did you – oh, by the way, did you see where Baker Mayfield is on track to start against the right Browns in week one? Yeah, man. Awesome. <laughs> I, I'm ready for that. Those will be but fun no. shows. Once we get into the NFL and college football season, those are going to be some fun shows. Breaking out the jerseys, the gear. Yep. I'm telling you, man, it's going to be fun. I almost, um, I but no. And then you look at the American League Central. So you got, yeah. I mean, the White Sox and the Twins. Or you got, No, the Guardians and the Twins. And Well, the White Sox aren't far back either. So that might They're be – that's a three-team division right there. Um, and then the, the NL Central. Yep. That's just us and the Brewers. Yep, because yep. you know, the Pirates have been playing well lately, but they're not going to go anywhere. The Reds have definitely been the opposite of what they started as, but the, and the Cubs are absolute dog water. So, at the end you of the day, nice I did. Yep. Um, so yeah, basically the Cardinals, you know, Harrison Bader said a heartfelt farewell and this community is going to rally around St. Louis. They're going to still cheer for the Cardinals one way or another. Everybody says, oh, I won't cheer for this team. Yeah, you will. Yeah. I, I, I call them out. I call fans out on their bullshit on, on that a lot. Like, you're going to still cheer for the team. Because guess think- what? Here's, a, here's an example. I've been cheering for the Cleveland Browns since 2001. Shit, I don't know why, but I'm going to probably die with that helmet back there on. You are a factory of sadness. Um, I, yeah, and you wonder why I take antidepressants. No. I, I, I think St. Louis sports fans, I think I think they're probably the best, and at times they're probably the worst. Because, you know, as you said, oh, well, I'm not going to cheer. Man, shut up. Yeah. We are, but we are, all, we are all prisoners of the moment. So, And don't get me wrong. And I also say that doesn't mean you don't have a right to be upset at the team. I will say that. Look. Now, I, I if you get frustrated at the team, get frustrated, Mo, 
or the DeWitts, get frustrated. Who I mean, I know you're not going to get mad at Mo. I get that because um, he's your bar buddy. But yep. <laughs> um, I, although after a few rounds on you, I think you're going to start to get pissed. Um, <laughs> but no, I do feel that the Cardinals made the right moves that they, they made the moves they needed to. The need was pitching. Soto was like that big dream. Yeah. But the need was pitching. They got it. They've been performing really well aside from, you know, last night. Um, and they're back to performing really well tonight. So, and like I said, whenever Harrison Bader gets healthy, I wish him, which, okay, this is the last thought of the evening. Because the, speaking of Yankees players, Matt, oh, Matt Carpenter. Carpenter. I oh, almost Matt. cried. For those who don't so- know, Matt Carpenter suffered a left leg fracture. I am so glad that that happened after his weekend in St. Louis instead of before. Oh, I'd have been sick for him, man. Oh, my God. Yeah, I understand that. Yeah, the fact because he would have had to miss out on the warm welcome and all the stuff. Yeah, and he and he had a very good series in St. Louis. He had a very good series um, against the Cardinals. But he I thought he was a comeback player of the year um, candidate, without a doubt. And. This is a huge, huge setback for him. And it's heartbreaking because, honestly, with a struggling Yankees team, he's been one of the bright spots Yeah, for them. So we'll see what happens. But, James, what a night it's been. Yep. I kind of said we'd be everywhere with this one, and we certainly were. Yes, we've covered – we honestly, we covered the big four – Plus WWE, we went all the way around, and I'm telling you right now, folks, it has been yet another um, amazing show as I just look over one last final piece of notes. And, and through, five, through five through five, in Denver, the Cardinals lead 6-2. There you go. That, that's not too shabby. I mean, yeah. I'll be honest with you. Yeah, Quintana struck out five. He's walked two. He's given up two Quintana runs. Quintana has been great on the strikeouts. I'm telling you. He, yeah, so he you struck got, out seven. You, you do got a guy like Montgomery who doesn't strike out many, but he gets the outs. And you got Quintana who definitely strikes out a lot. And they're, well, Quintana's not known for to be a big strikeout pitcher. Both of them are, are, they yield a lot of ground balls, but he's got a lot of swing and miss. And he's certainly focused down in the strikes when he looks good tonight. Yeah. And hopefully the, the Cardinals go for a series uh, win tomorrow at 2 10 as Dakota Hudson gets the start. Oh, what do you freaking do? Yeah, Probably get we'll 13 1. <laughs> anyway, we'll see, we'll see how that goes. And you can find the updates. You can find the updates on uh my official Twitter handle at jcarsportsfan uh, one and on the mainly actually you can find them on the official Interstate 70 Sports Media Twitter at Interstate 70 Sports Media and James, your official Twitter handle at JC underscore Knox 80. All right, awesome. And we're on Facebook at uh, Interstate 70 Sports Media, and we're on YouTube at the same name and on Roundabout Sports on Facebook. And on top of all that, not only can you find Roundabout Sports everywhere, but you can also find the Strike Zone on YouTube as well as on the Facebook page. And we're working on getting more in with that. You can also check out Cardinals Off the Cuff with Andy Cockerell, Talking Dynasty with Adam Frex. Um, and so much more. I'm excited that uh, this Sunday I will be on the Dayland show. Um, that'll they reached out to me, and I'll you know represent us well. So I'm looking forward to that. It'll be a great pleasure. 
But other than that, folks, I want to thank you all so much for tuning in this evening. Um, always remember that we have it right here that mental health awareness is a very important issue in the world. And we have the mental health awareness hotline. It is the NAMI helpline. It is open 24-7-365. It's one 800 950 N-A-M-I. That's 1-800-950-N-A-M-I. And also, as we always do, we bring up the National Suicide and Crisis Hotline. And in the past, it had used to be a long phone number, but now, thankfully, they have, no pun intended, dialed it down to just 988. So all you have to do is dial it 988. Uh, it's opened uh, 24-7, 365, 366 on a leap year. Understand that you were never alone in this world. I know times are tough, but you're tougher. You're always loved. There's always somebody out there that loves you and wanting to help you. James and I love you. We thank you so much for tuning in with us this evening, and we'll definitely be sure to do this again next week. Until then, I'm the maestro Jeremy Carp. He's Hollywood James Knox. And remember, life is a book full of empty pages just waiting to be written in. Make your lives worth reading. Good night and God bless, folks.